Since 1995, Alabama's sports talk leader, Tiger Communications, proudly presents Sports Call. It's time to join our Sports Call crew as they discuss the latest headlines and happenings around Auburn and the entire sports world. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. We're taking phone calls all show long and want to talk about whatever you've got on your mind. And now, coming to you live from the loveliest village on the plains, Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call. Welcome, Auburn, into the Monday edition of Sports Call Live on Tiger 95.9, the Tiger.fm, and the Tiger Communications app. My name is Ryan LaVoy. I'm the host of this show today. I've got with me Tom Peavy and Brant Daughtry as we have a fun show planned for you here on this Monday afternoon. Coming up in a matter of moments, we are expected to be joined by NASCAR Craftsman Truck Series driver Grant Enfinger, a, a native of Fairhope, Alabama. He has made the NASCAR Craftsman Truck Series playoffs, so we'll talk to him about that in just a matter of moments. Of course, today we will recap Big Cat Weekend. A couple of Big Cats make commitments to the Auburn Tigers this weekend, and then including another transfer player as well to tell you about. So we will be all over the recruiting aspect part of it uh, as Auburn continues to move up rankings. We'll also tell you where that average recruit ranking stands because it is quite high and is much higher than where they rank overall just due to number of players so we'll kind of sum up big cat weekend and we'll tell you about uh, everything that auburn did on that front of course uh, as always on monday's shows we'll have a best and worst of the weekend that will come up towards the end of the show birthdays and sports nightly tv guide again expected to be joined any moment by grant Enfinger of the nascar craftsman truck series but guys throw it to you uh brant hope you had a great weekend sir how are you I did have a great weekend. I'll touch more on that when we get to best and worst. But uh, I went to the movie theater for the first time in uh, two or three years, actually, uh, to go catch a film that I'll talk about later in the show. But, yeah, I had a great weekend. It was relaxing. And, uh, yeah, like you touched on, Big Cat Weekend, a lot happened. Uh, and, you know, we'll, we'll get more into that as the show continues. But, yeah, I'm excited for the day. And let's get into it. Another great Brave series this weekend. So. Yep. Talk about the Braves back on track. Trade deadline coming up tomorrow. Used to be July 31st, now August 1st. So I'll let you know a little bit about uh, about that. And then Tom Peavy also on the show. How was your weekend, sir? Uh Sports wise, sports wise, good weekend. Great weekend for Auburn on the recruiting trail. Uh, great weekend for the Atlanta Braves as they're getting back on track, seemingly from what seemed like a little bit, maybe of a little bit of a slump there coming out of the All Star break, but. Uh, Auburn and Hugh Freeze just absolutely killing it on the recruiting trail right now. So that was good. The bad, uh, I'll go into it more when we have best and worst, but uh, lost, a, lost a great firefighter this weekend uh, suddenly. Uh, Bubba Sorensen, who was a member of Southwest Fire Department and uh, Opelika Fire Department. Uh, tragic loss there and uh, just you know devastating to all the departments around here that knew him. And uh, yeah, just uh, that that just really kind of put a damper on things of the weekend. Learning that news, so uh, but other than that, on the sports side of things, uh, it's a great, really good weekend, especially for Auburn. I mean, if you're an Auburn fan, you got to be absolutely stoked for that recruiting weekend and the potential of other guys that are still sitting out there that might be committing to Auburn pretty soon. Absolutely, and uh, also have a uh, 
a scheduling update. So, again, I'll take the blame on this one is uh, our Grant Infringer interview is next Monday, not this Monday, uh, as uh, that will be the week prior to the NASCAR Craftsman Truck Series playoffs. Uh, they get a couple weeks off, and uh, so we wanted to preview that with him the week before. Uh, the truck series playoffs start. So uh, we will get to that uh, next week. That's when we'll have Grant Infinger on. So, again, my apologies on that. But uh, good news for everyone is we'll get to your phone calls a little quicker today and then also go ahead and start talking a little bit about Big Cat Weekend. Of course, I want to talk all about the moves that Auburn was able to make this weekend. So we'll get right into it. Of course, the big name, I I, I don't want to – I guess we'll jump right into it because there are others, but want to go ahead and get to the big news, which, of course, everyone's heard about, which is Perry Thompson did officially flip from Alabama to Auburn. Uh, that was something Auburn had been working steadfast on uh, for a long period of time, and the growing belief became in the in the latter weeks here that uh, there was a good chance of flipping. We even talked about in the show late in the week last week that the percentage models had gone up 75, 80, 85% that he would flip. Of course, we didn't want to put all of our stock into that because that's also what it said about Cam Coleman, but also uh, a clear indicator that the momentum was in favor. Perry Thompson had a cool kind of commitment uh, this weekend also threw Hugh Freeze into the pool. Uh, it was a big party, uh, basically, this weekend on the Plains. It culminates in Perry Thompson flipping the number 29 player in the country. We'll also talk about the other commitment in just a moment. But, guys, uh, we talked about three huge players that Auburn was trying to land in this cycle, at least this part of the cycle. Cam Coleman, who they missed on, Texas A&M. They got Demarcus Riddick, who was committed to Georgia. They got him to flip last week, and now they land their second out of three. They get Perry Thompson to flip from Alabama to Auburn. Yeah, um, huge. And, and to tell you uh, how good of a player Perry Thompson is, there there are videos that talk about him potentially being uh, asking the question, is he the next Julio Jones because of the comparisons of where he went to high school, going to Bama. Everybody's asking, is he the next Julio Jones? Because he is just that talented. Um, and, and that's just a huge get for Auburn. Uh, it's another one that, though, you, you, you can't help but to kind of go back and scratch your head at why he had not been recruited up until Hugh Freeze got here. And, I, and that had been talked about. That uh, there, I heard about Perry Thompson uh, a year or two ago. There's this kid in Foley that really likes Auburn, but Harson's not really on him very much. And that was Perry Thompson. So, but he's done a remarkable job to uh, to make those inroads that were not there, and to to get that flip. And you know that's it's huge. It's also huge because it's now a skill position. That's one thing we talked about on on the uh, the show last week. Uh, Demarcus Riddick was a linebacker. Uh, you also got the uh, the kid from uh, Tuskegee. That is a linebacker, Joe Phillips. Joe Phillips, who was a uh, people thought was going to uh, commit to Georgia. Uh, you've been getting some big time guys on the offensive side of, or on the defensive side of things, and I said that I'm ready to see them crack into the the blue chippers on the skill positions: running back, wide receiver, quarterback, those types of areas. Well, here you go, first domino. Uh, you're you're getting a six foot four skill position guy out there at wide receiver now. That is a blue chip. That is a full-on solid blue chip guy, and that's just something Auburn needs. They have not had a five-star receiver in a very, very long time, so that's just huge, huge to get him and huge momentum push going forward. Can I put on my tinfoil hat here for a second? 
I, I think that Perry Thompson was ready to commit to Auburn a while ago, but Hugh Freeze pushed it to this weekend. Because let's let's assess the situation here for a second. Instead of Perry Thompson just kind of saying on Twitter that he was flipping to Auburn, he did it when you had all those recruits there. He did it while the phones were on him. And, and like Hugh Freeze walked up to him and handed him a microphone in front of the pool with all those other players there. This was orchestrated to be as big an event as possible. I don't think Big Cat Weekend flipped anybody yet. I think Big Cat Weekend is going to be used with these. I think KJ Bolden, if he commits to Auburn, will, you, yeah. will be because of will be because of Big Cat Weekend. I think Perry Thompson and the other kid who committed earlier in the day, whose name escapes me at the moment, four star uh, athlete, probably going to play wide receiver. Malcolm, I think Malcolm Simmons. We'll Malcolm Simmons. Simmons yes, yeah. thank you. Uh, I think that those two kids were ready to commit earlier, but Hugh Freeze pushed it to this weekend as a statement, uh, and I think that that's going to pay dividends later. Um, you you can compare it to exactly what Georgia did with George Pickens a couple of years ago, uh, fl- waiting for like everybody thought he was going to Georgia, but he remained committed to Auburn until he flipped on signing day, and everybody kind of thought that it was. Kirby Smart kind of flipping the bird at Auburn. I think Hugh Freeze is doing the same thing to Bama and Georgia now with these kids. Uh, and I think that's I think that's a great way to build momentum in recruiting. I think it's dirty, but I think everybody plays dirty. Uh, I, I don't I don't I don't think it's wrong. I think it's you know I think I think it's the way the game is played, and I think that Hugh Freeze is playing it well right now. And I think that going forward, you're going to see the benefits of that. I, I think that it would have been wise, and they probably did. I, I think that. You know, I mean, I, I don't know. We have to talk to, to Trevon or, or, or somebody around the program. But uh, it would make sense why you would want it to be on your biggest public weekend because you're trying to get word out. Now, granted, they've already done, you know, you know incredible work in, in doing this because I think clearly the sentiment around the program, it was already different um, prior to Big Cat Weekend with the momentum they built recruiting wise i think people are understanding but if there was any doubt where the program is is resting right now in terms of is it fun to play here are they back on the uh, is auburn back on the way up uh is it a now positive environment rather than the kind of almost cold shouldered look that it felt like at times with brian harson again nobody was mad at the workmanlike mentality within the walls and practicing and that sort of thing. But this this part of the process, this this recruiting, this is the fun part of the process. This is the – you are trying to make your program look fun. It's not always supposed to be like hard-hatted, you know, work eight hours a day, that sort of thing. That's not what 17-year-olds want to hear when they're making a college decision. Yeah, you're going to do a lot of hard work. Okay, but what else? You're going to work hard and you're going to win. Okay, a lot of working hard, hopefully some winning. What else? The hard work. Okay. Yeah. But I'm 17. Am I going <laughs> to enjoy my time here? Right. right. Uh, and so I think that is also one of the most back-to-earth. Again, this is not a foreign concept. It's not like other schools can't pull this off, can't teach the fun part. But, again, like when you are trying to pitch to someone, especially a program that's now trying to get to the level that Alabama Georgia is, they they even can put a little bit more of a professional tent on it because they are so proven and they you are going to get to such a high place and that's just like a fact at this point when you go there that when you are someone that 
is trying to get to that level and you think that reasonably you can one day, but you're clearly not right now, well, okay, we're going to sell you on yes being a part of the reason that we get there. But also we're going to be like, well, it's not going to be like you're going to feel like you're dead in the process and you're going to feel like you just cannot at all uh, have any room to do anything other than, you know, only committed to this college program at all times. And again, once you are within the school, yes, most of it uh, or a lot of it becomes the the football part of it. And then you get down to brass tacks, then you work hard, all that. When I'm not saying just go out there to practice field, goof off, have fun there. You know, there is a time to work. But that does not mean that a 17, 18-year-old has to come to a school thinking, yeah, there's only one reason I'm here and I'm not going to have any leeway to do anything else other than to practice and to play football. Because, again, that's not everything that these kids think about, certainly not the ones that are going to uh, not end up playing on Sundays and that sort of thing. So I think the messaging label on it, just the tone, is even important. Again, I'm, I'm deep diving recruiting like I never thought I would. But again, in this race where all these big schools want you, there are going to be slight nuances, which is the reason that you pick up a guy versus them not picking up the guy. I, I think the quote from Perry Thompson, or, or I think it was Perry Thompson, was, yeah, Alabama wanted me at their cookout thing or whatever they had going out there. Okay, so a cookout's kind of fun, right? It's something. But clearly there was an attraction to a bigger party-like event, a big family atmosphere, throwing a coach in a pool, you know, having a pool day, just everything that, that goes into that. And that was more elevated in the mind where it's like, yeah, that was a cute little cookout thing, but I'm not going to that. And again, I, I think that is incredibly reasonable, reasonable back to the original point. That's very possible that weeks ago Perry Thompson knew or maybe a week or two ago knew, and then they got together and said, how's the best way to do this? Oh, let's make a big event out of it at Big Cat Weekend. Entirely possible. Uh, but I also think, too, that's like, well, if there was a last-ditched effort from Alabama or someone to keep him, you know, that cookout thing is not exactly the, the fun, arousing thing that – was going to get someone back on the map. That's why Auburn makes a big deal about Big Cat Weekend or why it had uh, for a lot of years under Chiswick and Malzahn. So uh, I think that that is part of the, the quote, fun atmosphere that the, uh, precurses the work, precurses all the grinding to win games and win trophies and that sort of thing. So Perry Thompson commits to Auburn. Five-star wide receiver. Again, the highest-ranked player now in the class. He's the number 29 when you aggregate it on the industry ranking on on three. Demarcus Riddick, for what it's worth, is very close to him. He's the number 31 player. Uh, Remember, Joe Phillips had been the previous before these two commits at 119 and Walker White uh, prior to the Joe Phillips commitment at 137. Auburn also landed one more player in high school ranks. We'll talk about their transfer they landed later in the show. The one more player we'll talk about before we go to our first break and get to the Auburn Bank phone line is Malcolm Simmons. He is a four-star player. Again, two services at four, two at three. Aggregates out as a lower four-star ranking, but still four-star at 331 nationally. Out of Alexander City, Benjamin Russell High School, so only, again, about 45, 50 minutes up the road from here. Four-star athlete, six foot 170, kind of falls about into the middle of where this ranks, which, again, if we're only, we're, I know we're not talking a huge size of players. We're not talking the full, uh, full finishing amount of commits, but we're talking what about fourteen commits at this point uh, for Auburn, and we're talking about a four-star guy that is 
still quantified as the middle. Not one of the top guys, not top third, like right in the middle as a four-star guy. Again, with two, uh, two five, seven fours, and five threes, again, another solid add. Again, somebody else, if you're reading on the recruiting boards, this is not a complete shock. But, uh, again, another four-star guy that we're talking about and someone from, again, right, I, I wouldn't say the backyard of Auburn, but but, but the same neighborhood as he's Auburn an, over in Alexander in, City. He's an in-state guy, and those are the, those are the guys that – Auburn's kind of swung and missed on. I mean, we, we talk about the Phoenix City wide receivers all the time, which there have been several really good ones the past couple of years, and none have committed to Auburn. But, uh, yeah, I, I like you said, the class is not full, but the quality of player is there. The quantity is not, and that's what we keep talking about. And these other schools have filled out their numbers a little bit better. But, again, it's still impressive what Hugh Freeze has done in the amount of time that he's had to do it. Um, that now he still says that, he said when he got hired, this class and the next class are going to define his career. As it stands right now, this class is not good enough. It is a it is a lot of really good players, but the there's not enough of them, which was, I mean, that was the problem when he got hired, uh, that there weren't enough players. So that's something he's going to have to continue to work on. Auburn's definitely not done. And again, we've got until January to hit the main signing period, the early signing period, whatever you want to call it. Uh, and, and, you know, you still got to hold on to these guys. Look, just because the guy's committed to you does not mean he's definitely going to sign with you, even though these guys have both said, oh, they're 100% committed, they're definitely going to sign. You still feel really good about them, but you can't just delete their number from your phone, right? So you got to have to keep that up. But there, there's still work to be done, but the work that has been done is pretty good so far. There's a couple other guys in a few minutes or later in the show that we'll talk about as potential big ads K.J. Bolden was one. DeAndre Carter's another. There's another kid uh, I think that's committed to Ole Miss or leading with Ole Miss, a four-star guy, Franklin, that's now going to visit Auburn, uh, which is, again, more momentum. Doesn't mean anything necessarily, but other than the fact that Auburn's now got their foot in the door, we'll see what happens there. But, uh, again, the last thing I want to bring up in this segment before we go to break. So Auburn is 15th if you're just looking team rankings. Okay, they've been, that is, again, more due to the quantity. Uh, the example of that is that they have 14 players. 14th Oregon has 20. 13th LSU has 22. 12th A&M has 18. 11th Notre Dame, 22. You get it. USC is someone pretty comparable, comparable to Auburn with 10 play, or excuse me, 16 players in 10th place. Auburn's 90.78 recruit average. Again, industry recruit average, 90.78. Is by a slim margin fourth in the country number one is alabama or excuse me number one is ohio state at 92.26 alabama second at 92 flat georgia narrowly third at 91.92 and then auburn is fourth at 90.78 with southern cal closely behind them at 90.73 so again what that means is if the numbers project out if auburn ends up getting a full class of 23 to 25 to 27 players wherever that may land if they can keep this average and no one else goes up, Auburn would finish in the top five in recruiting. Again, that's if the numbers equal out, which they may or may not. Quite frankly, I will tell you that I would gladly accept three to four less players in a class if it means you end up with a top five average yeah, like absolutely. they've got right now. So I don't know if it will exactly stay that way, but I'm not freaking out about the numbers because it's not like they're in single digits here. Uh, in the month of, of July. And also want to mention that we are about to start a recruiting dead period. 
It's kind of why Auburn has this whole shebang right before it. August 1st through 31st is a dead period. There are no visits. There are no calls. Dead. Uh, And so at that point, we'll see more commitments because people will be pondering what they just occurred in the month of July, their visits. Someone like K.J. Bolden is, I think, slated to commit this weekend. So we will see commitments. But again, no new contact, no more contact permissible. August 1st through August 31st. So sometimes it's about the first impression, but in Auburn's case right now, it's about the last impression you make. We're going to go to our first timeout of the show. When we come back, we'll hit up the Auburn Bank phone line for the first time today. You're listening to the Monday edition of Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Sports Call has been on the air since 1995. This is Andy Burcham, voice of the Auburn Tigers, and you're listening to Sports Call on Tiger Welcome back to Sports Call, Tiger 95.9. Ryan LaVoy, Brant Daughtry, Tom Peavy with you here on this Monday afternoon. Hope everyone had a great weekend this past weekend. I know I did first weekend in the new apartment or full weekend and uh, have everything situated. I know Cam was going through a move too. Just that time of year, that's how the leases work, obviously, for most places in a college town. They're late July to late July, usually so. Know a lot of people will be moving into uh, dorms and stuff coming up next week or two. About to be a more full place here uh, in the coming weeks. Three three four eight eight seven thirty four one locally or toll free one triple eight nine Tiger Nine. Let's go to the Auburn Bank phone line for the first time today. James from Montgomery. James is with us. James, how are you doing this afternoon? I'm good. And War Eagle. War Eagle. Yeah, I know that we're we're counting down is right around the corner to the opening college football season. And I just can't wait to see a brand new team for Auburn and what Hugh Freeze is actually going to bring to this new Auburn football program this year. Yep. Getting close. Uh, All those off season questions will start to get answered. I think they've got fall practice starting here. And I think on Thursday is what I saw. I'll double check that. But uh, practice is starting very soon. And uh, that means the games are not far behind. Yeah, because I'm actually, you know, trying to see um, who's going to start at a quarterback position. Is it going to be Robbie Asper or Peyton Thornton? Because I know over the weekend, I know a lot of Auburn fans, just like myself, they were asking me, uh, Saturday, they were asking me, who, who do you think is going to start for uh, week one of the season opener when we play against UMass? I said it, it could be either Robert Ashford or Peyton Thornton. So I'm leaning towards Peyton Thornton because he has more of that uh, quarterback experience from another school and he's bringing that experience to Auburn as well. So I think uh, Peyton Thornton is uh, going to be our starter as well. So I'm, I'm just going to see if that if that uh, statement is true as well. Yeah, it's Peyton Thorne, and I think that uh, 
I think he is the front runner to to win the job again. It's been interesting. There have been a few dissenting opinions that think Ashford still has a a real shot, and I'm sure that he will going into camp. I think we just anticipate Thorne. Uh, his ability to to throw at Michigan State far exceeding the ability Ashford has as a passer. Last year, now obviously Ashford can run, but I think that the offense with all these wide receivers they brought in, I think they're looking to throw the ball around a little bit and, and be a balanced team. So I think that Thorne is going to have the uh, the inside track there, but again, Robbie Ashford is going to have an opportunity just like Thorne. Yeah, because if, if, um, if he's going to have that opportunity track like uh, Peyton – I'll just probably see how things uh, might turn out if, like in the first half of the game, if if, uh, Robbie Ashford makes a mistake. I I really don't want to see any mistakes happen this year or this time around like we've we've been seeing in uh, previous years. But I think this is going to be a tough uh, schedule. It's not going to be an easy schedule this year. So I'm looking at maybe – Auburn winning the first three, the first three games of our season. Those are going to be the first three against uh, UMass, uh, California, and Sanford. And maybe in the middle part of that schedule, that's when they're really starting to turn up the heat on the on the football players as well and giving some uh, new opportunity of the new players to actually, you know, step out on the field and, and make some big points and big advantages this year. Absolutely, yeah. The, those first three games, they really need to start three and zero because the next three after that at Texas Texas A and M, host Georgia at LSU. Even you could add a fourth one there with Ole Miss. Uh, those that's the toughest section of the schedule by far. So they need to get a good good runway there, and then try to try to improve throughout that slate and be able to get one or two of those on the back end. But uh, yeah, no, I think that uh, it's going to be very exciting. And again, with the first year of of you freeze and just a lot of new stuff after the last couple of years and we're looking forward to it yes as well because i'm going to be looking at some other college games as well i'm going to be uh looking at auburn and i'm going to be looking at lsu because i know their schedule is looking kind of uh kind of hard on their schedule as well because i know they play their season opener on september the 9th on, on september 9th so i'm going to watch that one and then they're going to be playing a home game against Grambling State University. So I have Grambling State University beating LSU as well. So I don't know why they are actually going to play a non-conference game like Grambling State University and LSU is in the SEC. I don't see anything why they did something like that as well to put that university against a um, a, a high-powered uh conference like the like LSU in the FCC conference as well. Well, it's a, a paycheck game, and it is an in-state game, and so uh, Grambling will get a good payday out of that short trip for them and a uh, good home opener for LSU to get a get a win in. And Again, those type of games may be uh, eventually less common if uh, every conference goes to nine conference games and makes a team, makes all their teams play a Power 5 game, but uh, yeah, no, teams usually do stuff like that. We've seen Auburn play Alabama State before and uh, mm-hmm. Alabama and A&M, that sort of thing. So uh, that, that is pretty common to give those those schools a, a good paycheck and, and, and try to get, if you're the home team, if you're the big team, an easy victory. Yeah, so if it's like that, I mean, I know I've seen Auburn play Alabama State and Alabama A&M, and just like you said, those, those two 
games that we've actually played in years past were paycheck games for Alabama State and Alabama A&M. I mean, I mean, we're SEC. We, we play like our Georgia, or Florida, Tennessee, uh, Texas A&M, uh, Mississippi State. Those are our, our, uh, our, our rivals in the SEC. We can't like, you know, have an SEC school play like another outside of the SEC, uh, bracket. You know, I, I just see, uh, all, all the SEC schools should stay, like all the schools should stay in their conference as well. Uh, so you don't want any non-conference games. You want just to play all the SEC teams. I want I want like all the um, SEC schools that Auburn is going to play, or Georgia is going to play, or Florida, or LSU, or Mississippi State, or Ole Miss to actually play only the the SEC schools, and and not just you know when the when the when the schedule comes out, we'll look at like Auburn and California. California is the University of California is like a, I think their division is like a big uh, ten team if I'm correct. Pac twelve, Pac twelve. Yeah, yeah. So I, I mean, when we when I looked at that schedule, I was like, the SEC is playing a Pac twelve school. I mean, I looked at Auburn and California, and there wasn't no history of any kind of Auburn actually playing California, the University of California. I mean, it wasn't, you know, set in in the history books for Auburn University to ever play California. I didn't see nowhere, you know, history-wise for Auburn playing the University of California. I, I didn't see no, no, no records or anything between these two schools that were playing against uh, the University of California as well. Yeah, no, I mean, but again, sometimes that's just the nature of con- non-conference matchups. I mean, you try to play teams that you've either never played before or seldom seen and that sort of thing. And so, uh, yeah, even though Auburn and Cal never played, I think it's a good opportunity to, to go to the, the opposite coast and, and try to uh, play someone new and, and see how the conferences match up. What else is on your mind today? Well, I'm actually um, looking at the um, – I was looking at like uh, the NFL uh, training camp and uh, seeing uh, some great teams uh, that are going to be looking for uh, a chance to go to Las Vegas as well. And I think uh, my Dallas Cowboys look ready. They look good. Um, I'm just going to see how Dak Prescott is actually going to do because he's right now he just had a birthday over the weekend. He's 30 years old, so um, I, I'm pretty sure that he's going to have a great a great year this year with with uh you know with him being a little bit older and being more mature and um he he was um saying over the weekend that he wasn't going to do any uh interceptions so i'm i'm hoping that that's going to change for the better as well so uh we made some changes uh we don't have cd uh we don't have ezekiel elliott um, right behind Dak Prescott, so we uh, got that. They got that covered as well. And uh, C.D. Lamb and uh, uh, Michael Gallup—they're split, uh, you know, in separate uh, divisional uh, fields, so they're not on the same uh, like right there when uh, Dak Prescott actually throws to either one of them. So they're they're on either side of uh, Dak Prescott, so that would give him 
a better advantage of, you know, doing long passes instead of short passes as well. Yeah, and I know Tony Pollard will be the the running back for the majority of steps, uh, snaps now replacing Ezekiel Elliott. He had been the number two back this year so or last year, so we'll see how all that plays out. I know, James, the Hall of Fame game is coming up Thursday, and you've been talking a lot about that this offseason. Yes, I saw because I'm actually getting ready for that one as well. Um, I just was I was listening earlier on uh, NFL Network on uh, on what you know uh, Aaron Rodgers was actually uh, going to say, and um, I, I think he's a really good uh, quarterback for the New York Jets, and I and I actually do see a, a really good thing coming out of Aaron Rodgers. I probably see him probably like in 2025 or 2026 as a Hall of Famer as well. So I'm a, I'm just going to leave that to him as well. So he got a couple more years in, in, the, in the league before he gets that gold jacket. So he, he, he's going he's gonna to do good this year with his new team as well. Yeah, and of course, uh, after you retire, you still got to wait five years uh, or, or at least five years from the time that you last played. So say he plays – in 2023 and 2024, then he would not be eligible to 2029. So uh, it will be a little while, but yeah, just a formality. Aaron Rodgers, no doubt, will be a Hall of Famer. Yes, as well, because um, I, I mean, this will be my uh, fourth time actually watching the Hall of Fame game as well. So this is number four for me. Um, and this is my fourth time actually watching the Hall of Fame enshrinement ceremony. So that's um, another. Uh, time for me to actually watch the Hall of Fame Enshrinement Ceremony. So this is uh, number four for me uh, this year as well. Yeah, we're uh, we're looking forward to it. Uh, any other thoughts for us today, James, before we have to let you go? Um, I don't have any uh, thought on anything else, but um, I'll probably see what I could uh, talk about, you know, next week if, um, if there is any um, WNBA news or NASCAR news that's coming up. I'll probably uh, let y'all know about that. And I do have a special uh, trivia that's going to be on uh, tomorrow's show as well. All right. Can we get a preview of that or do we just have to wait and find out tomorrow? Um, I'll probably let y'all know what it is. It's very, uh, it's very, um, very interesting to me because I love watching uh, classic TV shows. And this one is uh, very classic to me. I've been watching this show for a long time so i just probably uh slide it on um on twitter as well all right well we'll be looking out for it all right sounds good and war eagle war eagle james have a great day that is james from montgomery joining us on the auburn bank phone line we're going to stay on the auburn bank phone line again 334-887-341 locally or toll free one triple eight nine at tiger nine next up matt from tallahassee matt is with us matt how are you doing this afternoon what's up ryan hey Tom. What's up? How are you, man? What's up, Brent? Hey, boss. How you doing? Fine. Hey, Tom, you're behaving today 100% today, right? Absolutely. Is that true, Brent? Yeah, he's been good so far. Okay. Hey, have you guys won any more games? Uh, we we played two more last week. We we still lost both. We we had a closer game where there was a lot of runs scored. We scored the most runs we ever had, but we still lost that game. You guys need to go in some batting cages, I'm telling you. <laughs> well, that game we needed to play better defense. I made a bad error. A couple other guys made some errors in the first inning, and, and we scored 16 runs in that second game. So it was not, not the offense in that game. But most of the time, yes, we don't play great okay. offense. Tom and Brent, did you guys make any errors? 
I did not, but I was playing catcher, so it's tough to make errors at the catcher spot. How about you, Tom? Uh, I, I made a. I was playing first base. I made a whole bunch of catches at first base. I don't think I made an error over there. I, I made a. I made a screw up in the first game that we played. I didn't get to the bag and cover it because I thought a ball got caught. Did you guys play in the first game? I don't remember the this team. Is the fire, it was the fire, yeah. Auburn Fire Department. We team. lost uh, twelve to two in that one. Uh, yeah. Los Bomberos. Yeah, did you get any hits in the first game or the second game? Uh, did we get any hits? Yeah, I mean, we had yeah. hits. Yeah. Just didn't score enough runs. Did JJ get, get any home runs? Uh, JJ was not there on this past Tuesday. He was uh, off on business. What about Cam? Uh, Cam has not. Uh, had, did I don't. Yeah, he played, but he uh, he did not have any uh, home runs. You guys definitely need me and Dane for next year. I tell my mom I don't play with you guys next year. He goes, huh? Okay. So, <laughs> but hey, uh, I wanted like to talk to you guys. What do you guys think about the? Uh, uh, the two commitments that we got from Georgia, and then we got one from Alabama. And what do you guys know about the other one that we're supposed to get from Alabama? Yeah, so uh, we'll, we'll start with uh, Perry Thompson. That was the biggest one, uh, of course. That or yeah, the biggest one this weekend. Uh, the five star that had been committed to Alabama. So wide receiver out of Foley, six three, six four. Uh, just over 200 pounds. Big get for Auburn. Uh, they were trying to get another big receiver in Cam Coleman a couple weeks ago, so to get Thompson makes you feel a little bit better about the the Coleman decision. So that one was big. Demarcus Riddick, the uh, five-star linebacker that had committed to Georgia, flipped to Auburn last Wednesday. Again, a big commit at the time. He was the first five-star guy since 2019, so that was still uh, a huge get, and Auburn's recruited the linebacker position pretty well over the years. Owen Papa was that five-star back in 2019, so uh, that was a big one. And then, again, uh, this weekend they got another four-star player from the state of Alabama. He had not been committed beforehand. His name is Malcolm Simmons. He's another kind of athlete, play all over the place. He's from uh, Benjamin Russell High School. Yeah. Well, hey, the question on you guys, like, and like, uh, I'll start with you first. The, the, the two players that we got from Georgia and the, uh, the two players we got from Alabama, the, tra- the transfers and stuff of like that, do you think probably next year or in a couple of years that we can beat Georgia and beat Bama and maybe play for like a SEC championship game or probably make the college playoffs? I think we've got a lot of recruiting and a lot of football to be played between now and then. I think that the window for Auburn is going to open not this year and, and probably not next year. I think next year they'll have a shot. Uh, to keep those games closer than they will this year and, and than they have been in the past, but I think in three, I think two years from now is uh, is when Auburn is is really going to try and make a run at trophies. But I, for the next for this year and next year, I, I don't see it quite yet. But again, we've got a lot to we've got a lot of football between now and then. What What do you think about Tom? I I, I think there's still just a long way to go. I mean, they're yeah, they're getting some great players in. Uh, but I, you, you have to get more than just the few here. So uh, it, it's great progress and it's forward progress. But uh, I'm not ready to say that Auburn's ready to win championships yet. You got, you'll probably have to give it another couple of years, get some more guys in, let these new guys that are coming in develop, and, and then Auburn will be competitive. Well, hey, uh, hey, uh, Ryan, this question's for you. Like, uh, I heard that Auburn was probably going to get like another quarterback. Do you know anything about that? And before you answer, 
I got another question for you guys. When the player from, I think, from Alabama, Thompson, you were talking about, did you guys watch the video when all of them threw East Freeze in the pool? Uh, yes, we did. Uh, that was a fun video. Again, that's, every, every, that's, like, that's a lot of players that throw one coach in. In yeah. the pool like that. Yeah, it was a group effort. It was a group effort. I'm sure one or two of them could have gotten the job done if they really wanted to, but they wanted a little, little bit of everybody to, to help uh, throw them in. And as far as the other quarterback, I've not heard that for this recruiting cycle. Obviously, Auburn will continuously have to monitor the quarterback position, but they've got their big recruit for next year in Walker White. So uh, anyone else they'd add would probably be uh, more of a, a backup to that. It would, it would not be a, a front runner to one day start. Well, another thing is like, oh, um, Brett, this question for you. I, I was I was looking like Las Vegas. I was looking at Auburn on the cover, and they were saying like the Las Vegas odds had Asbert going to be the starter, and then they had um, Thorne as probably the starter. So it's getting close to the football season. So who do you guys probably think would probably be the starter part? Yeah, so those odds did open with Ashford as the starter. They very quickly uh, flipped to Peyton Thorne as the favorite, and that is where they sit right now. We're, we are all pretty much in agreement until something drastic changes that it's Peyton Thorne's job to lose. Now, the fall camp has not started yet. It'll start this week, uh, and that's when the decision will be made, but we're all pretty much in the camp that Peyton Thorne's going to be the starter. Well, hey, I was going to tell you guys, like we, we do have a game in – uh, Chattanooga, but me and my teammates are not going to go. So we have another game on September 2nd in Columbus, Georgia. So me and my mom are going, but me and my, my dad's not going to go. So it's plus it's my coach's birthday. So one of my teammates told me we got to win for uh, – you guys might know him. He, he played baseball for Auburn. His name is uh, Ever, Evan Crawford. I don't know if you guys know him or not. Um, not not that I, not that I'm aware of. He played baseball for Auburn. If you look at if you look it up, he played for Major League ba- Baseball for the Toronto Blue Jays. All right, uh, very and, very nice. I was going to see if I can do some like college football trivia. Uh, college football trivia. What uh, do you want? Recent trivia? You want trivia about this upcoming season? Uh, can I do probably like uh. 2013 and this also this coming up season. Okay, we well, yeah we can do one or two uh, of each real quickly then. Uh, 2013. Who did Auburn defeat in the SEC championship game in 2013? I would say Missouri. Very nice. That was a famously high scoring game. Scored a lot of points in that game. I got I got the shirt that has a score on it too. Oh, awesome! Uh, awesome. Who was the running back on that 2013 Auburn football team that nearly uh, that finished in the top five in Heisman voting? I would say Trey Mason. The two for two. You know your Auburn 2013, then Matt. All right. Hey, uh, hey you want me to get the shirt and tell you a score on that game? Say that again. I got the score on the shirt in my um, 2013. Very nice. Very nice. Yeah. You just mentioned that. So I can get the shirt and I can tell what the score was. Very nice. Yeah, and we uh, you already know it know it by heart. It sounds. Thing was like like fifty nine or something, or like in the forties, I think. Yeah, I think it was uh was it fifty nine forty two 
that I think come so. to mind? Something, I think like something like that. Yeah, it was a, a very, again, very high scoring game. Uh, so, for, again, so how like uh, how is the uh, has any more players committed for basketball lately? Not for basketball. I know that they were targeting five-star center Flory Bedunga, who was a uh, top ten player in the country. Uh, however, I believe what I've read, he's going to end up going to Duke, as uh, most of the top ten players in the country normally do. Uh, but uh, but Auburn has been uh, trying to recruit him and some others, but no new commits recently. How about for softball or anymore for baseball? Yeah, they, they Auburn softball and baseball got a bunch of transfers right after the season, but not in the last few weeks. They they uh, Auburn baseball got some players from UAB, Jacksonville State, got an SEC transfer I think from Florida. Uh, then softball got some transfers from uh, up in the AAC conference and that sort of thing, but not in the last few weeks. So what do you guys think about the player that we got from uh, the wide receiver from Jacksonville State? The what? Wide receiver from Jacksonville State. I'm not uh, familiar with who that is. Uh, Tom, do you know who I'm talking about? I can't think. Not a name. clue. Yeah, I'm not. We're, we're not exactly sure. They got a baseball transfer from Jacksonville State. I, they, to my knowledge, they do not have a football transfer from Jacksonville oh, State. I, they have one. Do, do you remember? Do you mean Jackson State, not Jacksonville State? Yeah, Jackson State. There you yeah, go. Shane Hooks. Shane Hooks. Yeah. Gotcha. Shane Hooks. Yeah, a really good player uh, at Jackson State and. Yeah, had a lot of incredible catches, really fast guy, a guy that makes a lot of contested catches, uh, figures to be a pretty good player at the SEC level. So what do you guys think about Colorado going to the Pac-12? Yeah, or yeah, leaving the Pac-12 to go to the Big 12. Uh, yeah, I mean, again, it's been a, a failure of the Pac-12 to uh, maintain their some of their important teams. Colorado obviously was in the Big 12 for a long period of time. I think it makes more sense for them to be there just given off of history. And so I actually saw, and we'll get into it a little bit later, the Pac-12's commissioner is saying that there's going to be a TV deal announced here soon, but well, I think a lot of this comes from the lack of a TV well, deal. Last, last question, then I'll do the chair. Um, and you guys can answer all, like, um, as, as to, to the times. Say that Auburn doesn't have – say Auburn wins seven games and probably Colorado wins, like, the same amount of games – do you probably see Auburn playing Colorado in a bowl game? And if, it, if that would happen, what bowl game do you think Auburn and Colorado play? Yeah, I'd have to double-check the bowl tie-ins this year. I think the Las Vegas Bowl is the only bowl that could happen. That would be a lot and, of fun, actually. I don't know if this is one of the years because they alternate back and forth on Pac-12 versus either SEC or versus Big Ten. So I have to double-check to see if the SEC has that bowl tie-in. If they do, then yeah, if they both win seven games, that very well could happen. If they don't, yeah. uh, then then I'm not familiar with any other bowl tie-ins, and SEC bet, versus Pac-12. Beth and Dion will have a lot to talk about, probably, because <laughs> they're good friends, Dion and Bo Jackson. Sure, sure. Okay, well, like, uh, have you guys, like, uh, do you guys know we're probably going to get freeze on the radio or something like that? Uh, yeah, that's uh, that's easier said than done, just because uh, you, you request him does not mean that he comes on the air. So we'll work on that, but uh, well, no I, promises. I, I tell my mom I still want to come and visit you guys sometime, and she goes, okay. And she goes, and I tell my dad, too. My dad goes, what do you want to talk about? And I go, well, if people have questions for me about anything I can answer and stuff like that. But hey, had James... Had, you guys, did James make any questions for me? 
Do you, do you guys know? No, no, not to my knowledge. He's not giving any 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 questions for you. But next time we need to call some more. Maybe I have to uh, answer him and stuff for that. Uh, and swimming and stuff. And when I started, he he asked me that, and I can give you guys an answer when I call next Monday. All right, and, we will try to do that. Let's uh, let's do the cheer here, Matt, and get out of here for the for the hour. Five, four, three. Two, one, War Eagle. Hey, beat Bama. Two hundred and nineteen to zero. Booyah! Booyah. Yeah. Booyah. Come to our field. We're gonna knock you guys out. Hey, you listen. If you got, hey, you guys work on you guys hit to win some more games. And tell JJ and Devon Reed. I said, what's up? And said, hey, did you guys hear about Pee Wee Armand died? I did, yeah. I uh, had uh, a long battle with cancer that he had not made public. But, yeah, Paul Rubens passed away today at age 70. Well, hey, hey, Tom, you keep up the good work and behave, and, and I'll talk to you guys next Monday. If you guys see Javon Reed and Brooks, tell him I said hey, and uh, JJ, and, and I'll talk. And my time's up. And, like, uh, and James, a big world to you, man. Uh, we appreciate your phone call, Matt War Eagle. That is Matt from Tallahassee. Matt for Auburn joining us on the Auburn Bank phone line today. Appreciate that phone call from Matt. We are out of time here for hour number one. Stay tuned. Hour number two. More on Big Cat Weekends, the fruit of Auburn's recruiting labor. We will continue to talk about uh, some of the other players that have not yet committed but are starting to trend in a positive direction for Auburn. We'll also continue on the Auburn Bank phone line. And again, a little bit later in the show, a best and worst of the weekend. You're listening to the Monday edition of Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. One hour of our show is in the books. We've got more to come. Stay tuned for another hour of Sports Call right after the break. Since 1995, Alabama's sports talk leader, Tiger Communications, proudly presents Sports Call. It's time to join our Sports Call crew as they discuss the latest headlines and happenings around Auburn and the entire sports world. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. We're taking phone calls all show long and want to talk about whatever you've got on your mind. And now, coming to you live from the loveliest village on the plains, Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call. Second hour of Sports Call starting right now, Tiger 95.9, the Tiger.fm and the Tiger Communications app. Ryan Lavoy, Tom PV, Brant Dontry with you here on this Monday edition of the program. Recapping everything from Big Cat Weekend, there was a lot to recap we had thought as such on Friday. We, we were thinking and hoping that there would be several things to talk about. There were two new Auburn commitments. There was also a plethora of guys that Auburn has 
gain some ground on some pretty high-profile guys and and that sort of thing, and still going to get into more of those in a little bit. But let's go back to the Auburn Bank phone line, 334-887-341 locally or toll-free, one nine at Tiger 9. Next up on the program today, Ward Dam Steve. We're Tiger Ward Dam Steve is with us. Steve, how are you this afternoon? Hey, I'm doing much better uh, since uh, the weekend, guys. How's, uh, how was your weekend and move out to move in? Uh, going quite well. Again, uh, mine is completed now, and uh, I'm all situated and uh, feeling pretty good. Had a good weekend. Okay. Tom, and uh, is, is Brent? Uh, I, yeah, you know, my, my weekend, uh, sports-wise, my, week, my weekend went fine. Uh, Personal-wise, it was a rough one. Uh, we, we lost one of our firefighters over the weekend, and so uh been trying to uh, – kind of deal and cope with that and make plans and trying to get all that done. So try to focus on some sports for some happier times, but also got that uh, other in the back of my brain. Hard to hear that. Uh, losing a co-worker is you know, never easy thing. Was it due to uh, job-related or not? I, it, it was separate. Uh, it was just a, a tragic car accident, uh, 27 oh, years oh. old. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Uh, I'm sorry to hear that for you. And for his family, then. Um, yeah, very tragic. Fred, how was uh, your weekend, sir? Uh, he is not in the studio at the moment. He'll be right okay. back. All right, well, this weekend I would call a uh, Shazam, a Holy Crap, and a Big Boom. Uh, did not expect those two five stars uh, to miss this quickly and the four star. Uh, what do you guys make of that? Yeah, I mean, I think uh, with the Perry Thompson stuff, you. <laughs> Look, you can never be 100% certain because even all the great tea leaves in the world, you still got to actually hear the commitment and, and, and then follow through with it and all, all that sort of thing. But again, all, all, all the rumblings were good rumblings coming into the weekend. And so uh, it, it would have been a little, it would have been a lot disappointing, to be honest with you, if he had not committed again. Uh, still a huge deal and uh, very excited to see the video and, and all that stuff this weekend. But again, that's something that like Auburn was quietly confident about, especially after DeMarcus Riddick did in, v, uh, in, in fact flip. So the momentum had been positive and it, and it continued positive. Malcolm Simmons was another guy that I saw that a couple people had had uh, had crystal ball to Auburn and that sort of thing. So again, these two guys, I mean, look, they're big recruits for sure, but is it absolutely shocking compared to what we were kind of reading about and that sort of thing in the lead up to it? No, it's it's not complete shock other than just the fact that, yes, Auburn did pull off the, the flip of an Alabama player or an Alabama commit right after they pulled off the flip of a Georgia commit. And, of course, you know, I said, guys, you know, uh, I'm not going uh, sit uh, pretty easy on these people until I actually see your signature. And then I was constantly telling myself, okay, could this be another Cam Coleman, you know, fiasco? But thankfully it wasn't. And then we almost had another five-star commitment uh, by Mr. Bolton, but he uh, kind of backed off. Is that right? Yeah, I think that uh, – and, and I think that's probably part of the reason I know Brant had mentioned earlier his belief that maybe uh, these other two, especially uh, Thompson, had maybe already committed quietly – before this weekend and just wanted to make a big deal about announcing it this weekend. I think for Bolden, he is honestly still de- deciphering his decision. Now, I will tell you, I think I saw that it will be coming this weekend. I think he is supposed to make a decision this Saturday or this Sunday. Uh, but, but again, they clearly made uh, a significantly positive impression on him. And 
I'm, I want to go through the week before I know exactly which way he's leaning because obviously right after you get through a visit, it's going to be all positive news. So I want to see how things progress on Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. But uh, Auburn's definitely in the K.J. Bolden sweepstakes after uh, prior to that being kind of behind. Yeah, and, and Steve, one thing I was going to say, the big thing that helps is when you have a guy like Perry Thompson commit here and he's good friends with K.J. Bolden and you've got some other guys that are in contact with him a lot, that's big because they're going to – they're going to try to sway him here uh, to Auburn. Of course, he's got connections at the other schools, too, that are going to try to sway him. But uh, if this was his last visit and, and these guys have been in his ear, then that's positive for Auburn. And I'm also um, hearing, I don't know if it's you know, verifiable yet, but that Mr. Uh, DeAndre Carter may be uh, – Announcing a commitment shortly. Yeah, that's another one that we want to get into a little bit later today too. Again, again, that's what we're referring to when not just the couple of commitments, but real inroads and real positive momentum on multiple players, even that had not committed. And, and DeAndre Carter's absolutely a part of that. And you know, I say these things, and, and I'm really encouraged by uh, by these commitments and the quality of them um, because you guys know, you know, how candid I was. You know, I was not enthusiastic about uh, freezing high. Uh, because of this past transgression. And, but that's the one thing I'm feeling uh, a bit more, I guess, uh, not as uneasy about because uh, I've said to myself, you know, his past transgressions, if they uh, were still, you know, uh, an issue for a lot of these parents, because all these kids have parents, then I would say that'd be an obstacle for them to be committing uh, to this program. And I have not read or heard any, uh, any, any, comments uh that that, that uh, is becoming an issue uh you guys see it the same way yeah i mean i think time will tell on all of that i mean again i i personally was not as skeptical as most uh he was my second candidate behind uh lane kiffin and again i think that the part i see of it in is is still the company that he keeps the people around him and you know what he did obviously was was not good at all uh, in the past. Well, that's but, what I'm referring to, Ryan. Excuse me, mm-hmm. you know, I wasn't kept about his, you know, uh, coaching abilities, but I was, you know, uneasy about his past behavior. Right, and I, I understand that. And but my thought is, I don't think people should be defined by one thing that they do, and that they cannot be uh, brought back from that. And so I think that's why the time element of it is important because you've got to show over a long period of time that you can. Uh, kind of fix those wrongs, uh, you know, move on from them, learn from them, that sort of thing. And I know some people got into the Twitter part of it too with that that deal at Liberty. But, uh, again, I just, in my opinion, again, enough time had passed from the Ole Miss stuff. Um, If he ends up doing something else again, that's going to be it. He's not going to get a a third opportunity at that point I don't believe Um, and at at that point I think it becomes different but again what I'm saying to you is that was never a problem for me uh, in the first place and again I think that uh, sometimes people obviously do horrible things but I don't think that that defines the rest of their existence that they should not ever get a different opportunity or that sort of thing well I agree with that second I apparently it appears that the uh, perspective taken by these families and these parents and these kids, they are not put off or dissuaded or dissuading their, their kids uh, uh, not to come here. So that's encouraging. All right, moving on, guys. Uh, since uh, we're, we've got the uh, women's uh, soccer uh, uh, World Cup going on, uh, 
we're playing Portugal tonight. Well, actually, in the morning, about my, our time, one o'clock our time. Is that right? I thought it was two o'clock. A, I think it's two a.m. Uh, even later. Yeah, because I'm usually up till one. One, I could have maybe sniffed around a half of that or so, but I think it's uh, I think it's two a.m. You're correct. It's three a.m. I think Eastern time and two a.m. Yes. our time. Yes. yes. Okay, Portugal. I know nothing about them. Uh, do you know how difficult? And challenging a team, this will be for us? I know that it is the second most challenging team in the group. They are, in theory, not as difficult as Netherlands. Uh, they lost, I believe, 1-0 to the Netherlands, I want to say. So, again, that that is a, uh, a sign that they were not vastly different from them. Of course, America tied them, tied the Netherlands. But if you watch that second half, I didn't watch the first half, but I did watch the second half. They had a lot of scoring chances. They dominated possession they looked like the better team they just to get in the second goal so i feel very strongly the u.s is better than portugal uh however obviously i thought they were better than the netherlands and they they drew so uh as long as they don't lose they advance but obviously they still want to win the group so they they would really strongly prefer to win this this match well uh let's hope when we wake up in the morning uh tomorrow and we'll have a victory or at least maybe a tie all right speaking with the world cup real quickly guys this came from uh, the website called Insider.com, and it says the World Cup players are wearing devices around their necks to prevent brain injuries. Did you know about that? I did not. Uh, yeah, the neck apparatus is called the Q-collar, and apparently is uh, devised by a physician. Uh, what it does is apparently it uh, uses the blood uh, around the neck area as a cushion to limit brain injury. Um, movement within the skull, and is it? It's not only being used by soccer players, but also in the NFL. I didn't know that one. Interesting. Yeah, I was not aware. Yeah, supposedly it's uh, is being uh, more and more used uh, as a uh, brain injury uh, protection uh, prevention uh, uh, device, and it really has been approved by the FDA. How about that? Huh. Yeah, I would. I would love to. Uh, have it more explained about what it, uh, in theory, does and, and that sort of thing. But, uh, yeah, the technology continues okay. to get better and better. Well, if you want to read the detail about the article, it's from uh, insider.com, where you can find it, and it's entitled World Cup Players Are Wearing Devices Around Their Necks to Prevent Brain Injuries, and Here's How They're Supposed to Work. Okay. All right. Moving on, guys. The Braves. You know, uh, something Major League Baseball history has never been done before, uh, was done by Atlanta Braves player, right? Uh, man, they've been doing so many things recently. You'll have to you'll have to tell me which one in particular. Mr. Acuna. The 50, steal, <clears throat> 50 steals. He, well, here's what he did. Superstar Acuna Jr. made a baseball history on Saturday night by doing what? Stealing his 50th base of the year. What uh, is it? 50 steals plus 20 homers? Is that the, the never been yeah. done before? He is the first player in Major League Baseball history with at least 20 home runs and 50 steals before August. Okay, gotcha. Yep. Uh, so I hope he's not on the trading block. Uh, I promise you he's not. Uh, he's in the MVP conversation, but he, uh, he's definitely not in a trade conversation. Yeah, speaking of trading block, uh, I, I love uh, the uh, Bleacher Report people. They say he's built. Uh, they said, quote, the White, White Sox traded every pitcher. It said only a slight exaggeration. Well, what, what's going on with the White Sox, guys? Yeah, Are I mean, they really trading away all their pitchers? 
Yeah, I mean, they did trade away several starters. Uh, I mean, they're a bad team, and bad teams sometimes when they have veteran players that are not a part of a long-term rebuild, they get traded. That's that's why you have buyers and sellers at the trade deadline. So the White Sox trying to accumulate some prospects, trying to get off of some money. I think they're like 20 games under 500. They have zero chance to make the playoffs. So that's just what a rebuilding team does. So are there fans wearing these popular T-shirts now, sell the team? <laughs> no, I mean, this this one is more typical. The White Sox try when they can. And uh, they had hired Tony Russo a couple of years ago because they had a uh, – had a mentality to go forward. And the White Sox, they, they might not have a huge payroll most years, but, again, it's not like the Marlins. It's They're not in any terms of uh, fair weather where the, the moment they start to have to pay players, they just refuse. I mean, they're, they're still a competent uh, payroll team. So, no, their fans are – I mean, I'm sure they won't be a well-attended team the rest of this year, but it's not like they're going to not come back. Okay. And as you gave me about this uh, trade, guys, the Mets traded – Max, is it Scherzer? Yes. Scherzer, yeah. Yes. Yeah, why would they do that? Yeah, again, kind of the same thing. Older pitcher, a uh, team that is not contending. Um, Scherzer is, you know, look, the Mets had obviously intended to be really good. I mean, they're paying the most, have the highest payroll in baseball. And so they did that because they are not going to win the division. They're probably not making the playoffs, period. And he's in his late 30s, about to be 40. Uh, he's only got a couple of years left. He's not even been awesome. And so, uh, again, try, just again, trying to shed a little salary off a team that you know is not making the playoffs. And they've maintained some long-term promise with their hitters. They've not really sold any of their hitters. But, yeah, they've, they've sold Ver, uh, Scherzer, and I, they might sell Ver, Verlander here in the next 24 hours too. Okay. Moving on, guys, the world sports. Miss Ledecky finally did it. She surpassed Michael Phelps' gold medals. Yeah. I saw that over the weekend. Uh, yeah, that, yeah, she that played was... her 16th individual gold medal uh, in the World Aquatics Championship in Japan. Yeah, she's been again. She's been dominant. There, there's no doubt about that. I'm looking forward to watching her in the next Olympics. That's uh, I don't usually keep up with the World Championships and that sort of thing, but uh, we all watched her in the Olympics, and I'll be excited to watch her do that again. Are there any sports channels that are carrying? Uh, the, the, the bit, cause I, I don't know who they are, where they're at. Yeah, I, I, not to my knowledge. Sometimes you can check some of the lower tier NBC channels. Sometimes, since the NBC is the one that's affiliated with the Olympics, sometimes they'll show world other, you know, some of those warm up stuff. But uh, not, I have not seen them on television. And according to this report, I'm reading only two other people have more total world medals than uh, than a, a lady by the name of a. Um, Mary Landers, that's her name? Yeah. She's another apparently so good swimmer. Phelps and uh, uh, Ryan, L-O-C-H-T-E, um, so I mentioned. So we got some good swimmers. All right, moving on, guys. You mentioned about our current uh, recruiting rankings. Yes. And I hope, yours are, I hope yours are more accurate because I'm looking right there at Auburn on the covers. Uh, overall football team ranking, uh, dated an update of 731-23, and – they have Auburn as number 17. You said 15, right? Uh, I think Ryan was looking at the... Uh, the on three. Yeah, maybe. the composite rankings, the on three composite rankings, which, like we said before, take all the rankings, take all the major rankings and kind of put them together, and it spits out kind of what everybody agrees with them to be. So Auburn's hovering somewhere inside the top 20, but not quite inside the top 10. Okay. Well, I'm looking at the uh, star ratings, and ours is pretty darn high. In fact, we surpassed uh, a number of teams that are 
in the recruiting ranks is higher, or higher than us. We're going to have 14 commits. 91.85 is what they have for Auburn. And that's better than Miami, who's ranked, ranked above us, better than Oklahoma's, uh, better than uh, Oregon's. Better than L. Hughes. Yeah, we we talked about this. We talked about this a little bit earlier. The quality of player that Auburn has right now is awesome. That you've got some really good players, uh, just not quite as many as most of these other schools. So while you're getting uh, the players, you're getting are better on average. You do you just don't have enough right now. I think Auburn's got 14 or 15 commits rather than the closer to 20 that other teams are have right now. Now looking at our state rivals, and it says here Alabama has two five stars. We have two. They have nine four stars. We have ten. They have three three stars. We have two. So uh, uh, apparently we're maybe making some headway uh, against our rivals, right? Yeah, I mean, again, you know, still got work to do in the the quantity. Uh, as the guys were just mentioning, you know, the quality is getting pretty pretty close. Though, I mean, again, it's the fourth highest rated by average recruit. So just trailing Ohio State, Alabama, and Georgia. So. Auburn, once they get their quantity up a little bit more, assuming they can keep the quality, which, of course, that is very important, then you're talking about a class that will be uh, knocking on the door of uh, Alabama, Georgia, Ohio State. But, again, uh, Auburn ranks that 15th, 16th, 17th area just due to having three to four to five less players than most other teams right now. Hey, let me ask you guys this, too. Uh, about recruits and signing day, um, you know, if I – in charge, I would do it this way. I want to get your thoughts on this. Why not just let recruits sign on the day that they commit? Why do we have to have a signing day? Yeah, I mean, look, I, I, I'm sure Can you there's... Give me your opposition to that. Because at some point, a, 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 play, a coach and a team has to have a set roster. They ha- The NCAA has to know, the conference has to know, and the other teams have to know what players you're having and when. There is a set date for a reason. It's like the trade deadline in every professional sport. At some point, the roster has to be finalized. You can't just have it. Now, if you want to say you could have it in a, a signing period, that would be fine. But to allow a player to sign at any time of year uh, would throw a wrench into works. Okay, I'm just saying, you know, hey, you know, when I sign, when I say I'm committed, I'm going to sign the contract, it's over with. There's no more, you know, uh, smoke and mirrors, you know, or I'll be committed, you know, it's a done deal. Yeah, and I think I think also part of that too would just because again because of the nature of this and how uh, just situations can change. Uh, sometimes, uh, excuse me, scholarships get pulled. Sometimes you look at a situation, someone gets fired in the after the fall. You don't want to go to that school because you were committing to a coach, which happens all the time. So some circumstances change. It allows for that. Again, I think that a signing period be fine i think that as long as you're having cutoff dates that's that's the most important thing but again i think that uh as brant was saying you know it's it's to give you set points in time to focus on you're also trying to recruit during the the season like if you're trying to get someone to commit and yeah, you, sign you got, you got football you know, games to coach at you some know, point you know during the season again that 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 would get okay. kind of hairy okay so. guys you got me um your, your your points are well taken i just wanted to throw that at you all right, moving on real quickly. Guys. Yeah, last thing for us, Steve. Then we got to let you, let you go. Uh, the latest uh, uh, football uh, line, the spread for the uh, uh, first coming up games with Auburn. Uh, no, but I can check that right now. I assume it's a very uh, healthy no, no, line no, against think, UMass. What do you think? What do you think Auburn's line is? Oh, against UMass, pro- they're probably favored by yeah, forty points, 
something in there, 41. Very close. You should be an odds maker. Uh, what is it? The line, the line is 38 and a half. There you go. Yeah, UMass is, is just atrocious. <laughs> They're just not good at all. 38 and a half. Come on, guys. You know, uh, I think I'll take 38 and a half points, though. Yeah, I mean, I, I I have to think about it a little bit more. We'll see who the quarterback is and that sort of thing. But you know the deal with those games. All, these big teams are always good enough to beat those small teams by that number. It's just how early do they play second and third string guys. That's and, what I mean, yeah. Yeah, yeah that's what always gets difficult. Times, guys, in which I had a big lead, and here comes the third and fourth string people. There goes the other team. <laughs> yeah. They're going down there scoring. Again, that's, yeah, that's why I stay away from it. Yep. Okay. That's all I got. Now, when's the next game for the Thunder Chickens? Uh, tomorrow night, got two more games, two more opportunity, opportunities to clock up. Okay. So, you know, you can still do it, guys. The season's not over. Yeah, we're going to keep fighting. Keep fighting. All right. Uh, hope is all eternal. Amen. All right. That's it, guys. Thank you for your time today. I appreciate it. And uh, have a safe afternoon and evening until tomorrow. We'll do it again. Until then, War Eagle. War Eagle C, appreciate your phone call. That is Retire Word M. Steve joining us on the Auburn Bank phone line. We need to head to our first timeout of hour number two. Still ahead, more from Big Cat Weekend. Also, a look at birthdays and sports. You're listening to the Monday edition of Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Have your attention, please. Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? We're Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show. Hi, my name is. What? My name is. What? My name is. Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Want more Sports Call? Check us out online at sportscallauburn.com. Welcome back to Sports Call, Tiger 95.9. Ryan LaVoy, Tom Peavy, Brant Daughtry. With you here on this Monday edition of Sports Call. Again, coming up a little bit later, best and worst of the weekend. Also, uh, just a second, we'll do birthdays and sports. Nightly TV guy at the end. More on Big Cat Weekend coming up. We told you about the commits. We'll get to a couple of players that did not commit that Auburn is in the running for. Again, high-profile guys. Getting to spend a little bit of time on. Also, if we get to it a little bit in hour number three, a little bit more on the Braves. Uh, they're okay. Nobody panic. They're completely fine. Sweep the Milwaukee Brewers. Take five out of six from the Brewers overall this year. And, uh, again, position themselves even further ahead in the NL East, a division I think we can now uh, officially claim. And a Brewers team who is leading their division. Yeah. So yeah. To, a know, real not, team. A bad, not a bad team. They yeah, are leading I, I, their division. I think the Reds retook the lead. Uh, if I, I, I think they well, did because yeah, the Braves beat them in that game three. Yeah, they lost the lead. But the point remains. Uh, again, that was not a pushover team, and we talked about that. So, again, uh, Braves are going to be okay. Uh, and uh, also trade deadline coming up tomorrow. That's also got to keep an eye on if any other big moves are made. We uh, we heard from Ward and Steve there on the other side of that break-in. Max Scherzer 
the the biggest one. Probably going to be hard to get bigger than that. Uh, changing hands as the Mets officially wave the white flag and they say the NL East is over, uh, as uh, they said last year too. For different reasons, still the same result. All right, so let's get to today's birthdays and sports. It's time for today's birthdays and sports. That was a jab of Salicata from us. Uh, SNY. Isn't his show on at like 2 in the morning? It is. He probably gets zero sleep, and that's why he had that take on May the 30th declaring a baseball division with over 100 games over. Anyway, I won't ever forget that. I'll be 72 years old. Still will remember that. (laughs) Uh, So I guess he owns space in my head, and the kids will say that he won for that, and whatever. Anyway, today's birthdays in sports. Mark Cuban, 66, owner of the Dallas Mavericks. Cuban was born in Pittsburgh. And attended Indiana for college. Go Hoosiers. After graduating in 1982, Cuban moved to Dallas, became a successful businessman. In 2000, he purchased a majority share of the Dallas Mavericks, won an NBA Finals as owner in 2011. You can see him on Shark Tank all the time. If you watch CNBC for more than, more than an hour, you'll probably see Shark Tank at some point. You'll see him on it. Uh, he actually attended Pitt. For one year, go Panthers, and then he went to Indiana. Well, it's not where you start, it's where you finish, Don. Sure. But he went to sure. go Panthers. But before that, he went to Mount Lebanon High School in Pittsburgh. Go Blue Devils. Blue Devils, yuck. Okay. <laughs> Reminds me of something else. And I'm not referring to Moody, which is near Birmingham. Referring, of course, to Durham. But Mark Cuban turned 66 today. Andre Ware turns 55, former quarterback. Ware was born in Galveston, Texas, and played college football at Houston. Go Cougars. As a junior, 1989, broke 27 NCAA records en route to a 9-2 season. All that for a 9-2 season. He was All-American, Consensus Player of the Year, winner of the Davey O'Brien and Heisman Memorial Trophy Awards, drafted 7th overall in the 1990 draft, played 10 seasons of professional football across the NFL and CFL. His number 11 is retired by Houston. He's a member of the College Football Hall of Fame. Went to Dickinson High School in Texas. Go Gators. And, uh, yeah, when Andre Ware was at Houston, that, that team would score like 84 points in a game. It, right. it was just absolutely ridiculous, the points that they were putting up. Like very, arcade numbers. Very deserving of the Heisman Trophy, then. And uh, also is still a commentator. I believe does like the Thursday night ESPN games, usually. Somewhat, yeah. So some of those weekdays. But uh, Andre Ware turns 55 today. Chris Winky turns 51, former quarterback. Winky was born in Minnesota, where he started football and baseball and hockey. Was a high school All-American at Creighton Durham Hall in St. Paul's, Minnesota. Go sure. Raiders! Go Raiders! All that for a Raider. Okay, yeah. Raiders is fine though. It's, again, it's if you're like a Tiger. Again, I know we are the Tigers, but uh, if you are a Tiger or a Lion or a bear, or something that I've heard 67 times. You know, not not what I want to hear from high school. We, as, as a panther, I have to interject <laughs> here. <laughs> you, you want something something more sparse as a high school, something more to put you on the map. But anyway, uh, high school All-American and Mr. Football for the state of Minnesota as a senior, 1989, selected in the second round the 1990 MLB draft by the Blue Jays and played in the minors until 1996 when he decided to leave baseball to attend Florida State. Oh, Seminoles. As a junior, he led FSU to his first uh, to its first undefeated season and national title, and in 2000 won the Davey O'Brien and Johnny Unitas Awards and the Heisman Trophy. Consensus All-American that year as well, and he spent a few years as a career back at the NFL before retiring. Uh, he is now the quarterback coach at Georgia Tech. Chris. Go Yellow Jackets. <laughs> there you go. Cover all the bases. Chris Winkie 
turns 51. Chris Winky Dinky Do, as they would always call him on uh, Sports I mean, Center. That was like a 28 year old playing college. Was that or was that not? Well, what, the, the, two, the two-time reigning national champions had something very similar. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I just just say it. I mean, 27, 28 years old. Yeah, because uh, he's 51 today. 2000, he was 28. Anyway, that's how math works. Chris Winky, 51. Jonathan Ogden, Ogden, 50, former Baltimore Ravens offensive tackle. Ogden was born in Washington, D.C. and was a high school All-American in football track at... St. Albans School in Washington, D.C. Go Bulldogs. See, St. Albans... Well, St. Bernard... You'd be, I'm just kidding. I don't know. St. Albans Bulldogs. Then you just need to be the St. Bernard Dogs. And yeah. this, this reminds me of something I learned when I was like 13, and I'll never forget it. Do you know the second most used and the most used mascot in in collegiate athletics? Eagles is one of them, I thought. It's not. Or is it? Bulldogs or or, or it wasn't. It was not when I looked or this up. Tigers. Tigers is second. Bulldogs, Bulldogs, Bulldogs is first. Is first yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That I mean, you think about it for a little while, it makes yeah. a lot of sense. So anyway, uh, again, a basic bulldog as. <laughs> 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 played college football at Ooh, UCLA. There's a, there's a joke there that I'm not going to make, but it is funny. <laughs> played college football at UCLA. Bruins. Where he started at left tackle for the Bruins for four years. As a senior in 1995, Ogden was a unanimous All-American, winner of the Outland and Morris Trophies. Also won a national championship in the shot put in 1996. That was not football related. Throwing. He, he was a one-time Pac-10 champion, number 79, retired by UCLA. He's a member of the College Football Hall of Fame, taken fourth overall by the Ravens in 1996. The first draft selection ever by the team. It was a pretty good one. So he played an entire 12-year career in Baltimore, 11-time Pro Bowler, 9-time All-Pro, 1-time NFL Lineman of the Year, 1-time Super Bowl champion, was a first ballot Hall of Fame inductee in 2012. Jonathan Ogden turns 50 today. I would love to know how many offensive linemen have their number retired by their school. I don't know, but it's not to a them, that, that's the proper appreciation because yeah. linemen are people, too. For sure. Amen. Uh, well said, brother. I mean, you, you need those just as you need anything else. Kyle Larson turns 32, NASCAR Cup Series driver. Larson was born in California and began racing at seven years old in go-karts. Began racing professionally in 2007. Hey, same on the go-karts. I did, too. Made the <laughs> jump to NASCAR Cup Series in 2013. In 2021, joined Hendrick Motorsports and won his first NASCAR Cup Series championship. Over 11 years in the Cup Series, won 21 races, placed in the top 10 156 times, regarded as one of the top five drivers in the sport right now. That was added by me, and that was a matter of opinion. But if you watch, you know. Kyle Larson is 32 today. And he attended Pleasant. I actually had to dig for this one. He attended Pleasant Grove High School in Elk Grove, California. Go Eagles. I could have told you he was from Elk Grove just because they – NASCAR broadcasts do a pretty good job of telling you where people's from. Like, I don't have to look it up yet. I know about where half the the drivers are from just because they talk about that a lot. So I knew Elk Grove but did not know the high school. Those are on the birthdays in sports today. Mark Cuban, 66. Andre Ware, 55. Chris Winkie, 51. Jonathan Ogden, 50. And Kyle Larson, 32. A great diverse list right there. We're going to take our next time out of the show. As promised, back for more from Big Cat Weekend this past weekend. You're listening to the Monday edition of Sports Call on Tiger 
Do you want to join our conversation? Tweet us your thoughts on Twitter at SportsCallAU. I'm Britt Bowen, voice of Auburn women's basketball and Auburn softball. You're listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Tiger 95.9, Ryan LaVoy, Brant Daughtry, Tom Peavy with you here on this beautifully hot Monday afternoon. Tom, I looked in the forecast again, man. <sighs> Tomorrow, hot. Hot. No rain. We're, we're, we're sneakily getting towards a, a rainless thunder chicken season. <laughs> just saying. Yeah. I'm, just, I'm just saying. We're, we got two more weeks in the regular season, and tomorrow's like a 5% coverage area so that's yep. basically like one place in this entire state will get wet and that's about it yep. <laughs> so well it, it needs to do something because it is definitely that uncomfortable hot outside right now yep uh it, it rained a good bit yesterday after being a low chance yep. i guess you never really know but uh looking all clear for more more thunder chickens tomorrow as uh, the season starts to wind down, cluck up. Uh, this uh, this past weekend, again, we've been talking a good bit about it earlier in the show. We've had various calls about it, hitting some of the subjects. But uh, Big Cat Weekend concluded, or, or was, took place this past weekend, and it yielded a couple of hard commits for Auburn. But also, we want to talk about a couple of the guys that are high on Auburn's radar. Uh, they've also said a lot of positive things. Now, again, I I don't want to say this is everything because again you leave a visit especially a visit like this where big shows put on you're dunking the head coach in a pool you know you got the families there a huge weekend all the buzz all the reporting you're not going to leave the weekend say you know what that's just not for me i didn't like that at all you know very few people are going to say that so again it's always important to put that context on it so when we see someone like kj bolton i want to start with him Again, I believe, and I need to double-check this, I need to confirm this, I believe I saw there is going to be a commitment from him this coming weekend. Again, to reiterate something we said earlier in the show, dead period starting tomorrow, uh, lasting through the end of August. Okay, can't call, can't text, you know, some will, <laughs> but you're not supposed to. You think these guys yeah, are going to follow right, the rules. Right. Definitely can't visit, that sort of thing, until you get first day of the September, and then you can start scheduling all that. Bolden is a guy that would be the highest-rated player Auburn got. He is even higher-rated than Perry Thompson, yep. Demarcus Riddick. Okay, he is the number eight player in the country uh, according to the industry ranking. Uh, he grades out to nine and eleven, and then uh, sixteen at the lowest in ESPN. But again, you aggregate all of them because you got to. It's not a simple saying. Oh, well, that averaged out to like twelve. Okay, great, good for you on math. Other people get rated in different places too. So you throw all of his added up, and again, that's how he ends up being uh, being eighth. So I think of it as this is a top ten guy, and. There is going. There's a mad dash for him right now. In my opinion, coming into this past week, Bolden was not really a, a high likelihood for Auburn. I think Auburn improved their chances this weekend. 
I still think Florida State and Georgia are very much in this for Bolden, though. I think that this is a three-team race, and I'm not sure where to feel on it. But, again, we know Auburn's prowess in the state of Georgia. We know this would be their highest-rated recruit in a long time. And, again, positive gains have been made. And he said, I think the, the quote was, I, all, I nearly committed this weekend. Again, you're taking kids at their word and what happens the next seven days, I don't know. But at the very least, again, Auburn has made inroads on Bolden with the decision expected soon. Yeah, the thing with Bolden was it felt like Auburn was kind of in the rearview mirror of everybody else. And then Big Cat Weekend happened. And as it usually happens with Big Cat Weekend, like you pointed out, Ryan, there's so much positivity over those two days that it if nothing else, you've at least made up ground. You're at least even with the other teams. I don't know if you've surpassed them. Uh, I believe K.J. Bolden also said that Hugh Freeze was the last person he was going to talk to right. before he made his decision. And that's that's a big deal. You get to make your la- you get to make the last impression, whatever. you know. And, and who knows, he may be saying that to every coach that's talking to him. Like you said, these are kids. They get caught up in the moment. It's perfectly fine. Um, I, I was very much in the camp that Auburn was not going to get K.J. Bolden until this past weekend happened. I do think that you made enough of an impression to give yourself a legitimate chance. I don't know if he's coming or not, obviously, but I do think that Auburn has a much better chance than they did, and I would not be shocked if he committed this weekend. I, uh, I'm i not as confident with him as I was Perry Thompson just because all signs are pointing towards Perry Thompson. Same thing with DeMarc Riddick. All signs are pointing there. K.J. Bolden, he gets, like, there's, some, there's some signs that are pointed there, and yeah, Big Cat was good, but I, I don't. I've kind of got this sneaky feeling that Georgia is going to get him. Um, but he said all the right things, just like all the kids do when they come out of Big Cat, because it is such a fun party atmosphere. This it's not Big Cat weekend is not all about sitting down and running through film and business like it's it's hanging out at the pool, it's grilling out, it's it's just camaraderie, family doing all that kind of stuff. And so yeah, you're going to leave with a great feeling, but I. Uh, I don't know, kind of wondering about, you know, once he has a couple of days to kind of let that settle down, that he still remembers Georgia and things Kirby Smart have told him, and he may go that way. But, again, Perry Thompson and and, and KJ are apparently pretty tight. They have a good relationship with each other. Perry's going to be trying to push him here. Uh, So we'll see. I I don't feel as confident with KJ, though, as I did some of these other guys. Sure, Auburn – clearly making more of a late push here the Thompson bit that had been going on for a couple months I mean the the Auburn had been a real player there that had been bubbling for a while uh, and it just kept growing and growing this is more of like a last ditched boom in my opinion because again coming into last week I would have told you there's little to no chance there now there's there's a chance Uh, but as you said I still think Georgia I also think Florida State still got a shot at him too Um, but he is from the state of Georgia and look, these guys, you know, the relationships do matter. And again, they matter a lot when it comes to the coach-player relationship. But so many of these guys know everybody now. I mean, they're they able to keep up with everybody. Um, people will tell you in the professional ranks, that's why there's not as many professional rivalries because you just played together in so many way, forms and fashions. I, I think, again, the school part of it still dictates the the 18-year-old in you 
still makes there be such great intense rivalries at the college level, but I think some of it's fade at the professional level just because it's so so global now. You just see everybody all the time. Uh, but I think that obviously, as you denoted, there's relationships in favor of Auburn, but there's going to be relationships in favor of other places too. Uh, so we'll see on Bolden again. That commitment is anticipated soon. You'll like the bit about you know going to um, talk to Hugh Freeze last. Obviously, I don't think you freeze and be like, yeah, I don't think you should come here. So, I mean, you, you know, I think that's going to be a positive conversation. But uh, I also think um, when you're when you're having those big decisions, these last impressions, this is what Auburn's ultimately trying to bank on, and they've been doing a pretty good job of it, is the first impression was ruined. It was a year or two ago. It was with Brian Harson. He's not here anymore. Everything about it was not good. Okay, so it's the last impression. And sometimes that works more with these younger players, okay, because you a lot of these guys like to see it over a period of time. And I, and I don't know if that's what the parents preach to them or not, but it would make sense, right? Like, yeah. don't show me you want me once. Show me you want me there and then and then and then. And so a lot of times, even though in life it's like, oh, you only get one chance to make a great first impression – but it's like that's not exactly applicable to these situations because you're having to make constant impressions, right. constant impressions all the time. And so Auburn got the first impression part of it wrong with Brian Harson, but they're getting all the impressions since then right with yeah. this new staff. And that's why they're in these situations. I also want to mention briefly, too, the other player uh, that Auburn feels way more confident about than K.J. Bolden, but also a very big player, literally and figuratively, <laughs> uh, is DeAndre Carter yep. out of Santa Ana, California. Modern day. Uh, big time high school modern day. Yeah. Uh, the 146th player nationally, again, that is because this is fascinating too. On three has such a different ranking of him than everybody else. He is a top 80 player on 247 ESPN and Rivals, but he is only a three star player on on three. See, you can see the gaps in yeah. some of these players. So, industry wise, he grades out as number 146. But if you talk to three of the four services, and again, I'm just telling you everything, you can pick and choose what you find valuable. Three out of the four have him as a top 80 player. Again, a big time offensive lineman, uh, six, three and a half, 340, Tom. That is the beef that you are seeking yeah. on the offensive line. Yeah. I've got him listed. Yeah, six five three forty five is what I have him listed at. Okay, well, uh, different sites have different numbers. On three says six three and a half three forty. Yeah. Maybe that's why they rank him only as a three star. Forgot those two inches. I do. do I, I would love to go back and look at this, and I don't. I don't really have anything on this kid. I haven't watched him, and you know, I wait. <laughs> frankly, I think worrying about kids who are not committed to Auburn is is a little bit more than I'm willing to do, but. I wonder if on three just kind of values interior offensive linemen less. I feel like I've seen them. Their guys that are going to play guard and center tend to be lower ranked than the than the obvious tackles at the next level. And if a guy's six three, he's going to be playing on the interior offensive line. You want your tackles to be six five or more. So I, I wonder if that's why he's a three star on that site. Sure. But yeah, any anytime you can get a guy that most people agree is a top one hundred player then obviously he's a pretty big get. Well, the, the other thing is he still has a season of high school football to play. Right. So he could definitely move There are up. more yeah, stakes could, to be grow. eaten. He could grow. Yeah. More, um, more but but also the fact, the fact that he is at modern day, is, that is one of the biggest high school powerhouses out there. That's where, that's where Bryce Young went to school. Uh, they're a team that you always see playing on ESPN. Mm-hmm. So – it's not like he's from some little tiny program. It's like, hey, maybe we can develop. You know, this guy is playing at a school that 
pumps out college kids over and over and over again. Oh, and he's 6'5", 345 pounds. So, sure. Um, Which it, site do you have at 6'5", 345? Rivals. Sure. Rivals, okay. Yeah. That's where, I, That's I have where a, they rank him 79. I have a subscription there. Sure. So, the bunker. Nice. Yeah. Yeah, a lot of people on the Shout bunker. Shout out, JT. There you go. <laughs> uh, um, but, yeah, yeah go ahead. It, it, it's felt like, you know, I've got very high confidence that this, this kid has now made two trips across the country to come and visit Auburn. That, that tells you a lot. Uh, I mean, if the kid's willing to come all the way now twice uh, and has said all the things that he has said, you really have to think Auburn's in good shape. Not sure if there's been a commitment date set for him. Uh, have Has anyone – I have not seen it, no. Okay. Uh, so we'll double-check and see if there's one on that. Again, DeAndre Carter – uh, would be, again, one of the better offensive line gets in quite some time in the recruiting cycle uh, for Auburn, too. I was going to say another one, though. I know we're trying to get to break real quick, but there's another a four-star linebacker committed to Georgia that was also here. He has a lot of really good things to say, and it kind of almost makes you wonder if a flip could happen there as well. With uh, Auburn's already Jay, flipped a couple there. Jaden yeah. Prelot. All right. Out so- of Buford, Georgia. Buford coming up a lot. A lot of great players out of Buford, Georgia, especially in this hey, cycle. Amen. But My goodness. really all the cycles. I think that's someone that played high school football in the state of Georgia speaking right there. <laughs> By the way, we are out. Buford University, baby. <laughs> we are out of time. In hour number two, coming up in hour number three, of course, warn your phone calls on the Auburn Bank phone line at 334-887-340. We'll know clear toll-free, one tiger 9 A little bit of change of pace, too. Talk a little bit about the Atlanta Braves. Also get into the best and worst of the weekend. You're listening to the Monday edition of Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Two hours of Sports Call are finished. Don't touch that radio dial. We've got one more hour to go. Whether you're leaving work, cruising around town, or listening on demand, we've still got some fun left for you. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show has been on the air since 1995 and is ready for 60 more minutes of fun. Now, let's get this hour of Sports Call started. Third and final hour of Sports Call starting right now, Tiger 95.9. The Tiger.fm and the Tiger Communications app, Ryan LaVoy, Brant Daughtry and Tom Peavy with you here on this Monday afternoon. We've talked a lot of recruiting in the show so far after Big Cat Weekend. If you ever missed anything, check it out. The Sports Call podcast brought to you by Coca-Cola. If you ever missed Sports Call Live, if you want to hear something again, make sure you go back and listen to our show on demand wherever you get your podcasts. And join Ice Cold Coca-Cola to go along with the hottest sports talk. Coca-Cola tastes the feeling. The Sports Call podcast is available on SoundCloud, Google Play, iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, TuneIn, and the Tiger Communications app. Uh, hold on. I'll, I'll, I'll save this for our next conversation. We want to get to something in this hour, but we have something we need to do first. 
Yes, we do. And I, I just I, I wanted to show you something, and then I thought about the timing of it all, right. and we'll get to that in a minute because it will organically flow with the show. Okay. All right. Uh, we do have one more recruiting topic to hit on, and we'll try to get to a little Braves today uh, before they've got a big series with the Angels and then the, the trade deadline and all that. Uh, so one more recruiting note to get to. Auburn did get a transfer this weekend. Uh, that is not always the case this late in the game. Uh, but recall, Northwestern went through a terrible circumstance in the month of July with Pat Fitzgerald, and uh, that uh, kind of thing reopens the portal to those players in particular. And one of them committed to Auburn uh, yesterday, Dylan Cinda. He is a interior offensive line. I got him at 6'5", 274. Three-star player... It looks like he had not yet played at Northwestern. He is a going to be a true freshman this year. This is actually a high school player uh, that was going to be an incoming freshman. So the recruiting is relevant here. He was a three-star guy. He was ranked as the number 44 interior offensive lineman. Uh, he 499 there in the country. Uh, he had other Big Ten offers, a lot of Big Ten teams. Uh, had offered again. He had went to Northwestern, but offered by Penn State, Iowa, Michigan State. Also offered by Michigan, West Virginia, Miami, Louisville, Kentucky, Maryland, Pittsburgh, Cincinnati, Syracuse, and then some MAC schools. Uh, so again, a lot of the Big Ten conference, a lot of schools up their way had offered him, including a couple uh, of different ones like Miami, Kentucky, that sort of thing. So three-star guy with a solid offer sheet. But again, one more guy. He is going to be on the team this year. He is going to be a true freshman. Again, the NCAA allows the special transfers for circumstances like a coach having to be removed in the manner of which Pat Fitzgerald was. Right, and a kid that it just comes in another piece. This is not a guy that's going to contribute this year, but he is a guy that can come in. He can develop, like you said, Ryan. He's going to be a true freshman this year. Probably going to redshirt if I had to guess. But a guy that I mean, you said he's two seventy five. He he can't compete in the SEC at that weight. He's going to take a year. He's going to bulk up, and then they're going to move him wherever they want him to play. And I like you said, a guy that has it an impressive offer sheet and uh, figures to come in here and kind of be a wild card in that room. And like you said, uh, coming in after the firing of Pat Fitzgerald, everything that went on up at Northwestern, just kind of, it's weird going to like Northwestern and being in the big 10 territory and just being like, well, I need to move out of or uh, Northwestern. I want to be somewhere other than Chicago. So I'm just going to move down to Alabama. That seems like a, an interesting, <laughs> it's move. a 180. Yeah, it's yep. a 180, but I mean, I, Culture shift, I guess. Yes. Good, good for him. Uh, and, again, a lot of those schools that recruited him, though, still pretty high-profile schools also yeah. in Big Ten country. I trust – here's what I trust in Big Ten country, offensive linemen and tight ends. And so <laughs> uh, in low-scoring games like that, you know, a lot of offensive linemen make the league out of those schools and a lot of tight ends make the NFL out of those schools. So uh, Dylan Sendig, and three-star guy, is uh, his high school profile is still incredibly relevant. This is a player that has not been on a team yet. This would be his first year this fall. So, again, a three-star player ranked 499 industry-wise, number 44 interior offensive lineman Dylan Sinda committing to Auburn this weekend. A little bonus on top of the uh, the couple big cats Just that they got. A little cherry on top. A little top. cherry on top. <laughs> Amen. No. A big cherry on top. Well, again, yeah. Could, it needs to be a bigger cherry, but he's a – Big cherry. Still six six five two seventy five. Like Room yes, that's too small to compete. But like, still pretty freaking big. That's, a, that's still a big dude. And you get him in the weight program here, and they start bulking him up. The weight program and the food program, they bulk him up. Yeah. And I mean, and he could be there. Uh, if, if you're six five, you have the frame to to carry absolutely. around three ten, three twenty, whatever. Sure. Uh, 
But I mean, I mean, that's that's one of the big things. I mean, everybody's like we've mentioned time and time again, offensive line. Even if he's a depth piece, if they're looking at him as something depth on down the line, great. You got to have that because man, they were that offensive line hole. I mean, it was thin. I mean, you didn't even know who's going to start, and then you're just sweating bullets because there just wasn't a lot even behind that. So uh, even if you're bringing in guys that you kind of think might be for depth, good. You got to have it. You have to have that. Absolutely doesn't hurt this uh, this late the processing. And as a freshman, will not make an impact this year. Could he down the line? We shall see. 334-887-341 locally or toll-free 1-888-9-TIGER-9 to join us on the Auburn Bank phone line. We go back to the Auburn Bank phone line. Anthony from Auburn. Anthony is with us. Anthony, how are you doing this afternoon? I'm doing good. And you guys? Doing well. Have you guys heard anything about uh, Florida State uh, or either Clemson potentially leaving the uh, ACC and go join the uh, Big Ten? Y'all heard anything like that? Any kind of rumors or any kind of announcement might be made? I've definitely not heard it from Clemson. I've heard Florida State's administration is a little uneasy about the ACC and just about the changing college football landscape. And it is interesting because, like you said, I have heard just as much Big Ten chatter as SEC as the SEC has not shown a willingness to kind of lead on on expansion. They've been more reactionary. They don't really feel they need to expand anymore. So uh, I've heard some Big Ten with Florida State. Again, it's in a very feeling out process. It's not advanced discussion, but uh, there is some some murmurs. I was looking around on the Internet, and Athlon Sports – Stated that uh, some kind of announcement would be made sometime by the end of the week that uh, you know that could possibly uh, come to fruition and everything that it, it could possibly happen. So I, I don't know, but if it does, uh, does that leave the door open for Georgia Tech to potentially uh, return to the SEC? Oh, that's a, that's an interesting pivot. Again, I don't think that the SEC will be adding unless they just feel it's absolutely necessary to do so. And again, yeah, if they if they don't have access to Florida State and Clemson, then the list gets interesting of who they would target and that sort of thing. But again, Greg Sankey made it very clear, so I keep reiterating it, at SEC Media Days, both to the national audience and then also to us on, on our show a couple weeks ago, uh, that, again, expansion is not – they are focused on Texas and Oklahoma. Texas and Oklahoma reached out to them, so it would be more of a other teams reaching out to them. And so then you just ask who would reach out to the league, what would they be willing to do there, how big are they willing to get, that sort of thing. Well, we'll see because I believe if that does happen, if, if uh, Clemson and Florida State do leave, then that's going to open the door because that league, league will start falling apart. And uh, Georgia Tech, uh, North Carolina definitely would be uh, – Interesting uh, to add to the Southeastern Conference, especially when you look at Georgia Tech's uh, past history of being a, a member of the conference years ago and the matchups you have. I mean, Auburn matchup and Georgia Tech, you don't get no better than that. And Georgia Tech and Alabama and Tennessee and everybody else in the conference. Uh, I don't know. It, it very well could happen. I'm going to tell you something. If it does, uh, these conferences are having 20 teams or whatnot, then I think you most definitely going to have to have a 10-game, a, a, a 10, 11-game uh, regular uh Season conference matchups, it'd be almost certain with those that many teams in the conference. And I'm gonna tell you, I'm gonna do one. I'm gonna do you one better. I believe that uh, regular season could go to 14 games. I know some people hollering about kids going to class, but uh, you know, with NIL money, and I guess you would have to figure out some kind of deal where the kids get some kind of percentage off the uh, TV revenue and gate that you could work it. If you do that, I think you could work it and uh, potentially have a, a 14 game regular season. Uh, we'll see because uh, plenty of money to be made, and as people make money, more and more of it, they want more of it. And i tell you one thing, and I know y'all got other callers. Uh, I was doing a little homework the other day, and I saw uh, where Auburn University uh, 
last year, if I'm not mistaken, total gross revenue was $174 million, had a $22 million profit after paying bills. That's a lot of cash to have left over after paying everything. Uh, you know, and it's going to get better and better as these TV contracts and these super games with Oklahoma and Texas and everybody else start popping up. All that TV uh, sharing money that the conference does, it's just going to get better. So I think we headed that way, but we'll find out. I appreciate it, guys. Absolutely, Anthony. Appreciate your phone call. That is Anthony from Auburn joining us on the Auburn Make phone line. Yeah, interesting idea there about uh, expansion again. We, it, it, the more the longer we go on, the probabilities increase. The bigger these conferences get, I, I don't see us going back to get smaller again. I wouldn't be opposed to that. I don't hate the idea of having twelve team conferences all of a sudden just because we've been headed towards fourteen and sixteen with a bunch of these leagues. But the game part of it, I think that's going to take a lot more time to be able to convince schools and teams. Look, I get it. The money's always going to say more and more and more. I think with anything, though, it's got to be a slow – you can't hit everybody with everything at once. You've got to slowly put one toe in the water, then get the rest of the toes on that foot in the water, then put the other foot in the water. And you just – got to slowly warm up to everything. Look at how we've done with the, with the playoff, with how we decide a national champion. We just let the media vote for a long period of time. Well, they get some things wrong from time to time. Oh, well, we were okay with that for a long period of time. Then late 90s, the BCS comes, and we were letting the computers do it and little coaches poll action, little you know all these polls kind of contributing, but letting computers do it at the end of the day. And then we said early 2010s, you know what? I don't know if computers should be doing this. Let's do a good old eye test. Let's have a committee. Let's have four teams. Let's expand it a little bit. Let's allow for the possibility, because we've had some years where three teams were clearly deserving. So let's expand it to four, and let's let a committee do it. So we started that in 2014. You know what? It took about a year until everybody started murmuring, well, maybe we should make this thing bigger. I think it would be better if it's bigger. And after a few years of, of, of going through conversation and, and arguments and debates and that sort of thing, and I think what was it last year, we finally decided, hey, we're going to do it. We're going to get a bigger, uh, bigger playoff. We're going to go up 12 teams. And so now, in 2024, about a decade after the conception of a college football playoff, of a four-team format, we're going up to 12. So a system that was one way for, I don't know, however long football existed of letting media vote for the champion, became late 90s a, a BCS format, computers and that sort of thing. About 25 years later, we'll be up to 12 teams and a still a selected 12 teams from humans, not computers. So I say all that to say, I can't tell you 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 years down the line because until there's a bubble, if there's a bubble that eventually explodes, it'll be one thing. But unless there's an exploding bubble, sports will just get bigger and bigger and more money will be pumped in, and pumped in. More networks will want in. More schools will want in. More of everything will want in to an ever-increasing environment economically. And so are we going to get bigger schedules at one point? Maybe. Yeah, I'm not willing to go there next year or in three years, but in two decades, you have a 13th game, maybe. Two decades after that, you have a 14th game, maybe. Look what we're doing with playoffs. Again, some of these teams will end up playing. What's the what's the outcome here? You play 15, 16 games? Did anyone play 17? I feel like I've, I've seen 14 over there, 14 over there. I got 15. <laughs> got 15, 15 going once, going twice. Oh, sold to the guy in the middle with 16 with a with a Cinderella hope. You know, I we again, we will continue to add, I think, down the line 
to most things. I don't know if games, and it's all it is school that is part of it. It's also player health, and are you ever going to let college play more games than pros? I hope not. It's not like that. And can you think of one single thing that it's like that? Pro basketball, you play double. Pro baseball, you play triple. What you do in college? Pro football, you only play a couple more. I mean, I guess you play five in the regular year plus playoffs, so you end up with four to five to six. Um, again, they, really all forms of sports. There's more golf tournaments professionally. I don't think we do college racing. We have a college NASCAR circuit. Anyway, <laughs> um, so I, I hesitate to say for a matter of fact, like, yes, f- within five to ten years we will have something uh, for a bigger schedule. But it is not an unwise thing to suggest that over time, over a, a kind of undefined period of time, everything will get bigger. Everything grows. Every, the more money, the more... The more you want to do, the more you want to add. So, interesting thought there from Anthony. I don't know, guys, anything that, to add before we move on, take our next break? I, I think that there are certain ACC teams that would fit in the SEC. I don't know if Georgia Tech is one right now. Certainly, historically, uh, there, there have been some great rivalries. Obviously, they play Georgia every year, uh, and, and Auburn and Georgia Tech used to be a big-time rivalry. I don't know if that's the team that the SEC would go for. However, um, Ian, I mean, Vanderbilt's been here for forever, so they may just take a flyer. You know, yeah. on just hey, we need another ACC team in the addition in in the event that they want to add a Clemson or a North Carolina or maybe one of the Florida schools uh, that's not Florida. So uh, that's that that'll be Georgia Tech. I would be intrigued by, but uh, I, I definitely don't see that being the first choice. Yeah, it, look, I think Anthony's premise too is interesting that it would be Florida State and Clemson going to the Big Ten, which has yeah. always been two schools we believe that the the SEC would end up consuming ultimately and. And adding to their resume. But again, Sankey has said, and look, I might be putting way too much blind faith in this. I might just just be completely just wrong about this. But um, I still take certain people at their word. Maybe that's my mistake. But I really don't think that the SEC, although they lead in other things, I don't think they lead in college football playoff expansion. I, I can I can feel Greg Sankey like being internally full of sorrow that some <laughs> that that this is getting to the way the way it's going like i i can actively see him frustrated with the way college football has headed and that's why i don't think what what if he's asked about it like like if if other teams want to come and other leagues are expanding yeah he will add i'm not telling you that right. he is just not going to add i'm just simply telling you he's not going to be what initiates the process other teams will by either going to other conferences or calling up the sec that's how it worked with texas and oklahoma the sec wasn't going actively out be like hey you unhappy wink right. wink hint hint <laughs> uh we already have a rivalry you can rekindle texas how about how how's that sound uh oklahoma you don't want to uh, be left behind by texas wink huh so that's not how that went, but again, if other conferences do things, the SEC will act. They're not going to sit with, with sitting on their hands, but anyway, the, the college football playoff expansion, the conference expansion, all the words, all the things in college athletics with the word expansion tied to them, those conversations will continue, and they always will. We're going to go to our next timeout of the show. When we come back, a little bit about the Braves, about the trade deadline. I think I finally saw what Brant was referring to. We'll see what you, Brant... I think you did. Uh, we'll see what Brant exactly was referring to in just a moment. Also, best and worst of the weekend coming up. You're listening to the Monday edition of Sports Call on Tiger 95.9.
listen to our show? Be sure to download the Tiger Communications app and listen to Sports Call wherever you go. Follow Sports Call on Twitter at SportsCallAU. Like us on Facebook at SportsCallAU. Welcome back to Sports Call Tiger 95.9. Ryan LaVoy, Tom Peavy, Brant Dontry with you here on this Monday afternoon. Starting to get towards the latter moments of the show coming up in just a moment. A best and worst of the weekend. But want to get to a couple of MLB items around the Braves. In particular, trade deadline items as the Braves have been active without being incredibly active. They have made some acquisitions. They're not big-time players. They are not players that the average person's heard a lot about. They they acquired some relievers last week. They got an infielder from the Royals by the name of Nicky Lopez the other day and <laughs> sent back out someone they had already acquired. So uh, to I can't remember who was saying it, Brooks or somebody, to, their, to, to you guys' credit, though. I'll just give it to everybody on the show that's not named me. Uh, saying that Taylor Hearn and the uh, the the guy from Colorado might be used as a uh, in a different trade. Yes, you're right. Uh, so anyway, the thing that Brant was eyeballing uh, a few minutes ago uh, finally came across the timeline over on this side of the board uh, is that the betting favorite. Did you see what source this was? Or it was which, uh, it was Bet Online. Bet it was Online. Bet Online's okay. odds who we use quite frequently on the show when we do go down that avenue. Uh, says that the favorite to acquire Juan Soto, notably good at baseball, is the Atlanta Braves, which shocks me, to be quite frank with you, because the Braves are already really good at baseball, and they have not been rumored for any hitting whatsoever at any time. They did acquire, again, Nicky Lopez as a backup utility man who is fast, who it just plays defense in a pinch because uh, Ahiri Adrianza got hurt couple months back and it's just it does not look like he's coming back soon so again it it's it's just a move to fill out i don't want to say fill out the roster but just safe proof the roster foolproof the roster you know just at the end of the roster get another backup infielder it's fine so soto is fascinating there's also the thought that verlander could be on the move from the mets uh, because Max Scherzer was traded yesterday. I completely agree. I think the Mets will trade Verlander. I, I don't see the right. purpose in not trading Verlander. He is even older than Scherzer, and he's on a sh- pretty short-term deal. I don't know if I like the Braves for that one because that is in the division. The Braves and Mets don't right. love each other. It's not like in-division trades don't happen, but it's not like you're. you're that's not the most excitable thing. The good news is it is an older player, so you're just like, ah, I don't have to deal with the consequences of this for 10 years. So it is a different type of trade. It's a one- to two-year trade. So Verlander could make sense to a Braves pitching staff that has had to be very makeshift this year. I mean, they've started 8, 9, 10, 11 different pitchers uh, this year because of the Freed and Kyle Wright injuries uh, and, and just trying to see if Soroka can get back. A.J. smith Shaver was the other day. Uh, they've they started a couple starts for Colby Allard who who had returned to Atlanta. I mean, they, and there's been others too. Uh, what did you think? I mean, that was eyebrow raising to see Soto though on there. I, do you do you think there's any steam to that? 
I would love for there to be steam to that <laughs> because the 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 outfield trio of Ronald Acuna Jr., Michael Harris, and Juan Soto is. I mean, the oldest of those guys is what twenty five. Yeah, I and think Acuna all, is the oldest. Yeah, and Acuna and Soto are MVP caliber players, and Harris might get to that point. He just isn't quite yet, but he's still like twenty two. It's incredible. The the idea of that. I'm trying to think in my head, like, what could you send to the Padres to get that? Because, that would not be so disruptive. Right? Yeah, I, I'm trying to think like, okay, Von Grissom, yeah, maybe AJ Smith Shaver, Eddie Rosario. And yeah. maybe one more piece. I like would would they take that? I mean, I, I'm I am eternally trying to offload Marcelo Zuna, but also I I don't know how many more years he has left. I don't know why a team that's selling the at the value, deadline yeah. would 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 take him at that point. Eddie Rosario, Kevin Pillar. I, yeah, yeah, I mean, you could give, yeah, a, you could give you up could two name outfielders, the players, sure. but why would San Diego be be interested in in the Braves? I mean, Rosario maybe, but yeah. Pilar, I mean that. You've got to think of young players that these guys can build around. And, and we've talked ad nauseum about how the Braves minor league system is just kind of depleted because they've called everybody up. Right. The Padres right now, they're 52 and 54. They have been, I, I won't even, even though they're not the disappointment the Mets are, they are still a massive disappointment yeah. this year. Between Fernando Tatis and Juan Soto, Manny Machado, Xander Bogarts, guys, they are paying hundreds of millions of dollars to when you aggregate it out. Um, plus a couple notable pitchers like you, Darvis. They've had Josh Hader, the great closer, formerly a Brewer. This team needed to be really good. It has not been really good. It is several out of a playoff spot. It is eight out behind the Dodgers. It is fourth place in the NL West. I don't know if Soto's the right thing to trade here if you're the Potters giving up, but here's what I will say. Everybody else of those guys I just named of the, of the hitters – Long-term deals, okay? You just signed Machado to a huge extension a couple of years ago. You just signed Bogarts in free agency. Tatis, I believe they did up for a long period of time. I'll have to, to double-check that. Juan Soto, though, if I'm double-checking, I think that he – yes, I've double-checked. He does not have a long-term deal. He only has another year and a half of control. He is a free agent in 2025. So it is a rental. It's not as short-term as Otani would have been. That would have only been three months. But you're only getting a year and a half guaranteed. He does not have a long-term deal. So I guess that is why, even though he's as young as Tatis, he's clearly a lot younger than Machado Bogarts, um, I guess that's why, because that's the one guy they don't have control of beyond next year. But still, for a team paying a lot of money, that's not going to full sale. They're not going to trade the other players. It's still weird to me to think, wow, Soto, who might be, I don't say he's the most purely talented. It's probably still Tatis. But it's close. They're right. all right there amongst the most talented players in the league. It's weird to me that they, at around 500, be like, you know what? One of the top 10 most talented guys in the league. I don't, th- I don't think so anymore. You know, I, I saw something earlier. I think it said the top four payrolls in Major League Baseball are all out of playoff contention or all out of playoff spots right now. It's the Padres, the Yankees, the Mets, and I can't remember who the fourth team was, maybe the Phillies. Uh, but it's something like the, the, all of these teams, I think the teams that the four teams that are spending the most money on players this year are not in playoff contention. It's uh, It's been a pretty upside-down year 
in, in terms of that. It's been surprising now. Someone like Tampa has come back to earth, but they've been replaced by Baltimore, so it's not like they were replaced right. by a huge payroll team in first place in the AL East. The Braves are one of the highest payroll teams to be very successful this year. They've got a top 10 payroll, and they've got the number one team in baseball right now. So uh, trade line comes up tomorrow. I'm unfamiliar with the exact timing of tomorrow, but, of course, if there's any moves between now and the end of the show tomorrow, we will let you know, especially if they're a huge player like Soto or a player for the Braves. All right, starting to wind down this Monday edition of the show. Let's get to best and worst of the weekend. Now time for the best and worst No, no, no! of the weekend. All right, uh, best and worst of the weekend. I'll go ahead and lead off. Usually I let you guys lead off. This is not some huge thing, but I want to go ahead and get to a best of the weekend. Uh. Sometimes we keep up, obviously, with Auburn guys in the NFL, certainly in the NBA and in Major League Baseball. Someone we have not talked a lot about this year. He's been an okay player, cup of coffee, last couple of years with two different teams. Josh Palacios, former Auburn Tiger in the baseball world, had a birthday yesterday, and he celebrated his birthday with a walk-off home run for the Pittsburgh Pirates. So uh, Palacios, he's never had more bats in a year than he has this year, so trying to find a place. Again, I think it was Blue Jays and Nationals where he spent parts of the previous two seasons with. Turned 26 yesterday. Of course, we always do that birthdays in sports segment. But, again, a, a happy late birthday to Josh Palacios, who on his birthday, the former Auburn Tiger hit, a walk-off home run to beat the Philadelphia Phillies in that Pennsylvania-Pennsylvania matchup at Pittsburgh and Philly. So pretty cool for Palacios. Again, we've been monitoring guys like Edouard Julian, who's hit the 300 for the Twins in his first year. Of course, the waning moments of the career of Josh Donaldson and that, and that sort of thing. But I uh, always love the, the Auburn Tigers in Major League Baseball, too. So uh, best of the weekend was Josh Palacios hitting that walk-off home run. Brant, what about you? Uh, my best of the weekend is going to be something I did yesterday, like I touched on at the top of the show. Uh, first time I've been to a movie theater in two or three years. Just kind of fell out of love with that experience. And, uh, y- you know, there are two really incredible movies that have ha- that have come out recently, and I decided I just needed to see at least one of them in theaters. Probably going to end up seeing both. But yesterday I went and I saw Oppenheimer in theaters. Uh, Killian Murphy is a fantastic actor. Um, and I'll go see anything that Christopher Nolan directs, I think. So, yeah. Um, Fantastic movie. If you haven't seen it, yes, it's three hours, but it moves so quickly it does not feel anywhere close to three hours. Uh, go see the movie if you haven't seen it. It's fantastic. Yeah, I um, I think I sparked this discussion in the office last week. As like, where do we we do we talk enough about? And this is such a sports conversation. This I tell myself at this <laughs> moment. Uh, where do we rank Christopher Nolan in all time directors? And should we start to have that conversation of him being? like top five, yeah. top seven director of all time because we went through it. Like, Dunkirk is probably like his second worst movie and still plenty of people like that. It's got, it has like a seven and a half on IMDb if you care about those IMDb ratings. I've just made a decent amount of money. But that's like his second lowest rated movie or second or third lowest rated movie. He hasn't done like 40 or anything like that. It's been like 15-ish, but... I mean, if that's your second worst offering in 20-some years, it's pretty good. Yeah. It's pretty good at the end of the day. I mean, of course, we know he did. Also, for a director to do such a fabulous job with some superhero movies, mm-hmm. also to do such a great job with all these other great actors and, and concepts, stuff that is is visually stunning yet usually mentally complicated. Mm-hmm. Um 
stuff like Inception and and okay, Tenet is someone something that people didn't love. I still like Tenet. That maybe I, I feel like Tenet was was something that I I have never seen it to be clear. But I feel like it was something if you could if you could keep up with it, you loved it. If it confused you, then you just didn't. I mean, you couldn't keep up with it. Sure. Then you didn't love the movie. I had someone there who had already seen it that helped me through a mm. few things, and then once I understood the concept, I was like, wow. <laughs> that's unbelievable. That's pretty good. Yeah, I, I, I wish I'd understood every single thing the first time, but <laughs> that's pretty good. I think Christopher Nolan's most amazing accomplishment as a director is he kind of made it made people realize, oh, superhero movies can be really good. Yeah, and not just good superhero movies, but great movies. Because remember, Batman Begins came out in two thousand five, yeah, I think. I think so. uh, and then The Dark Knight was oh eight, I want to say so. This was before the MCU was a big thing. This was before yeah. even Iron Man. It was before uh, that weird Incredible Hulk movie, which is technically a part of the MCU, but no <laughs> one talks about because it's not Mark Ruffalo playing Bruce Banner. But it, it's him kind of making it, making people realize, oh, superhero movies can be yeah. really good. Uh, I know that we put nipples on the bat suit in the nineties, <laughs> but we 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 can make a great. Batman movies. See, I love. Just see, I love those movies. Yeah. I love those movies as a kid. I look. I go right. back and I watch them now. I'm going, man. Yeah, exactly. I was like, oh, they got someone big like George Clooney to be in this. That's yeah. cool. Oh, dude, that's Arnold Schwarzenegger. Yeah. He talks funny and he's dressed up in a bright blue suit. Yeah, I mean, all of it seemed cool at the time. Then you grow up. Yeah. Anyway, uh, Tom, <laughs> best of the weekend. What you got? Uh, so. Best of the weekend. It would be easy to go to the Big Cat weekend and, and all the commits, but that's too easy. Sure. There's a cool little thing on uh, Sunday Night Baseball last night. Uh, they had uh, Gunnar Henderson mic'd up, uh, the mm. sh- shortstop for the Baltimore Orioles, and they were reading fan questions. And one of the fans' questions to Gunnar Henderson was, War Eagle or Roll Tide? Right. And Gunnar Henderson immediately answered, oh, War Eagle all day. He's like, I've, I grew up an Auburn fan from the time I was – so it was just kind of cool hearing that. Uh, I was unfamiliar with Gunnar Henderson, so I looked him up from Montgomery, Alabama. Yeah, he was a big deal. I, well, he was. Yeah. yeah. I grew up in Montgomery. He's from Selma. He went to uh, Morgan Academy. He won a bunch of awards there. Committed to play baseball here at Auburn yep. as a sophomore. But uh, out of Morgan Academy, he was, he was drafted high. in the second round, the 42nd overall pick to Baltimore. And now he's uh, their starting shortstop and enough that they had him mic'd up on Sunday Night Baseball. But it was just kind of cool hearing the War Eagle shout-out on Sunday Night Baseball from Gunnar Henderson. Thought Absolutely. it was pretty cool. We had, well, that was an upset. We had two out of three Auburn baseball-related yeah. best in a time in which uh, baseball has not been yeah. played at the collegiate level. That is pretty solid stuff. All right, on to the worst of the weekend, guys. What do we got? Uh... I'll say my worst is going to be, I guess, Alabama message board reactions to Perry Thompson flipping. Uh, specifically, I saw one person kind of saying, like, where are this kid's parents? Why is he committed so long? And then he flipped. Like, guys. This guys all the time. Guys flip between schools all the time. And for the record, I've seen Auburn people do this, too. Don't attack somebody's character because they decide to play football at a school that's not yours. That's lame. It's dumb. No. Don't Don't take it personally. Someone's going to play wide receiver for Alabama, and they're probably going to be really good. Someone's going to play wide receiver for Auburn. It's pro- probably going to be Ter- Perry Thompson, and he figures to be pretty good. Your school will be okay, even if this kid decides to not go to your favorite school. The barn's cheating, Paul. Yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> yeah, probably. But so is everybody else. Don't accept that this is how the industry is, and don't take it personally. It's, it's weird uh, to do that. I mean, Reuben Foster went to Alabama with an AU tattooed on his forearm. Yeah. So let's go. This will not be anything's uh, possible. Let's not be so hypocritical that you don't think that flips have happened all sorts of ways. So yeah, 
Just don't be weird, and especially don't attack a kid's parents because you don't know them. They're not involved. It's the kid's decision. Parents have something to do with it, but don't don't be don't be weird. Just don't be weird about it. (laughs) Be upset, but don't be weird. That's all I'm asking. Tom, Uh, my worst of the weekend. I mentioned it at the show is. uh, we lost a, the the area Auburn Opelika Lee County lost a, a great dude, great firefighter at the young age of twenty seven years old. Uh, Zachary Bubba Sorensen uh, was uh, tragically killed in a car wreck uh, early Saturday morning. Uh, he had been with Southwest Fire Department since twenty sixteen, I believe. Uh, had come up and had become a lieutenant. Uh, then was a career firefighter at Opelika after that. Uh, you guys had the chance to meet Bubba the last time we were at Chili Dinner. He was uh, he was crowned Alabama's strongest man at a strongman competition, and so uh, we had him. I had him come over and talk to everybody from the radio show. He's a little too shy. I want to get on the radio, but uh, we, everybody chatted it up with him uh, there at the uh, fire department. So, uh, man, just uh, you know, it's one of those uh, when I when I woke up saturday morning and saw that text uh that was out there i you know it's just one of those things that stuns you because it i mean bubba was just you know this huge larger than life guy and at just 27 years old and to hear that news i mean it's just stunning so uh services are going to be saturday uh at first baptist church in opelika and i'm sure it's going to be quite the turnout of fire that are there because like i said between opelika fire southwest fire he was also volunteering at farmville fire department uh and then just everybody all the other departments that that knew him and have known about this situation it's it's going to be something else but yeah definitely a worst when you lose one of your brothers uh, it's just it, it's bad just a uh, terrible terrible tragedy to find that and find out that news yeah absolutely i'll uh, i'll join you in that that worse there's nothing uh, trivially from the NASCAR world that I could compete <laughs> to the, yeah. the loss of a human life. And, um, you know, like you said, we did meet Bubba uh, last year at the Chili Cook-Off. Uh, JJ, as he always did, was asking every question that he could think of at the yeah. moment about how the Alabama's Strongest Man competition would work and, and all that sort of thing. And so certainly remember that. So, saw that on Saturday, too. And there's nothing more important or precious than human life, and so uh, that is uh, always tra- a tragedy and also hits me a little bit. Uh, that's my age, so yeah. and you just never know. I know I'm always awake late at night, and, you know, again, that, uh, that uh, hits close to home, too, from that perspective. So I uh, really, really hate that for his family and, uh, and for his firefighting family yeah. as well, Tom. Um, so uh, that is definitely a true worst of the weekend. A uh, few more minutes left in the show. We will we will keep it right here rather than going to another quick break. I did see this um, this ever going saga continues. I do have two really quick Pac-12 updates. This show talks a lot about the Pac-12. Trust me, it's never positive. <laughs> it, is, it is hardly ever positive. Uh, one out of uh, from via Brandon Marcello. I just saw that. Just a few minutes ago, Arizona has scheduled a Board of Regents meeting for 3.30 local time Tuesday. So that's about 24 hours from now. I think Arizona's in the mountain time. So 23 hours? I don't know. Quick math. If it's in the mountain time, it's in 23 hours. Tomorrow. It, yes. Tomorrow, tomorrow afternoon. While we are on the show. Uh, a Board of Regents meeting for 3.30 tomorrow. I'm going to give you one guess of what that meeting is going to be about. And no, it's not about how to beat Arizona State. 
TV rights. Uh, <laughs> uh, it, pr- prospectively leaving the, 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 the Pacific Pac-12 Coast Conference. Conference. Yes. Yeah. Uh, so that is going to be on the lookout. That is one of the teams we speculated. We had some weird Oregon State chatter, too, but Arizona was like the prime suspect. The Big 12 wants to get better at basketball. Arizona's not way the heck out there on the coast. Uh, I mean, again, right. it's still out there, but it's, it's not It's not like it's out there with Oregon and Washington who are going to be Big Ten targets if they so choose, whether if the Big Ten wants or if Oregon and Washington wants. Uh, but so there's that part of it. Also... I guess this one's like 8% more positive. Uh, George Klavikoff, the failing uh, commissioner of the Pac-12 conference, uh, is, you know, I just don't care. At this point, I just I don't I don't care. If there's a Pac-12 it's, it's fan out there. It's crumbling around him. Yeah, if there's a Pac-12 fan out there, I, I don't even care. Uh, so that, uh, that commissioner, George Klavikoff, has announced that within the next 48 hours, he will be discussing a new TV deal with its teams. He says he will have a new TV to announce to its institutions within the next 48 hours. So I take that to mean either the deal is signed or if there's a maybe a target of tomorrow to sign a TV deal. But it looks like the Pac-12's journey to a TV deal <laughs> months and months after when it should have concluded it looks like this voyage is about to finally dock. Pac-12 football on the Hallmark. <laughs> <laughs> Can't as, wait. Get emotional as San Diego State has its first ever <laughs> Pac-12 game. Do you think they're going to do like the New Year's Day Bowls, or are they still going to be showing the original Christmas movies? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, it's going to be hotly contested at the networks. Like, Do you put this fifth best bowl game of the day on, or do we just go ahead and just run I love – my you know new boy i don't i don't even know what a new i'm not even gonna go there and also i've got some lifetime in my head too and lifetime lifetime also works get, gets very lifetime gets very different though the the hallmark is like warm and fuzzy <laughs> lifetime is like the guy who committed the murder that i didn't know about i mean it's it gets dark it's there's some dark stuff over there i'm just saying i watch absolutely <laughs> zero of it but i'm just saying that uh, there's still a clear difference at Hallmark Lifetime. So anyway, to to s- summarize that, Arizona could be on the way to the Big 12 tomorrow. Board of Regents meeting. Pac-12 Commissioner George Klavikoff going to meet with Pac-12 institutions within the next 48 hours about the signing of a new TV deal. Presumably that the deal is finished. So we should be knowing in the next couple of days ourselves where you can find 9:30 p.m. Pac-12 football. That sort of thing. All right, it's uh, about time to get out of here. Time for a nightly TV guide. Our show is about to end, but we've got you covered on entertainment for the evening. Here's Sports Call's nightly TV guide. All right, Sports Call's nightly TV guide presented by White Claw Heart Seltzer. We do have Braves baseball tonight. They are not off this Monday, 620 on Bally Sports South. Los Angeles Angels, Atlanta Braves. Can they just leave Shohei Otani in the dugout for us after the game? For nothing. <laughs> yeah. uh, that is the dream that will not occur. He is not also though he is not going to pitch against the Braves. He will be in the lineup, I guess, but uh, but no pitching assignment against Atlanta. Six twenty Bally Sports South. Also, I want to point out to everyone, Jeff Francoeur being back in the booth this weekend. I've not. I'm investigating it. The committee is investigating whether that is actually the reason the Braves immediately started winning again. 
Anyway. Uh, uh, so, uh, over under on the amount of home runs hit by Matt Olson and Shohei Otani as they go back and ooh. forth this weekend or uh, this week. Now that you've said it over under a half, but in, in theory, I'm saying you jinxed it. Like, there's going to there would oh, be. Okay, fair enough. There would have been two or three each way, but now it's going to be like, oh, yeah, that was a nice single. Oh, he walked twice. They're going to walk Otani a lot. Anyway. <laughs> they're going to walk every... Uh, yeah, yeah. I think they're going to walk yes. Otani a lot. 620 Bally Sports South. 6 o'clock on ESPN, the basketball tourney. Unfortunately, War Ready lost again. They were 1-4 and four in their career in four years. Uh, they, they lost earlier this uh, this past week. Uh, so that uh, is over for them. But basketball attorney uh, TBT continues. 6 o'clock on ESPN. Movie picks. The original Avengers. I say original. I mean, there's still a lot that led up to that. But uh, the Avenger, Avengers, 6 o'clock on FX. Despicable Me, 6 o'clock on Nickelodeon. And I love these. These are my personal favorite. The original, or excuse me, Harry Potter 5. I can't read. the Harry <laughs> Potter 5 at 6.04. On sci-fi. Nice. It's like a first pitch time. You know, you can't be right on the dot of a minute or, or, or at the top of the hour. It's got to be within the hour a few minutes. So 6.04, not 6.03, Harry Potter 5 on sci-fi. Also, am I just realizing Harry Potter on sci-fi? Is that right? I'm gonna, I mean, it's... it's it's. I don't know. That's like supposed science. to be like meta, uh, Mega Gatoroid versus Mega Sharker. <laughs> shark something, you know? I mean, that's... Harry Potter 5 is way too mainstream for that. Anyway, that's Sports Call's Nightly TV Guide presented by White Claw or Seltzer. Brant, thank you for being here. Glad you had a great weekend. We'll see you again later this week. Thank you for having me. Tom, thank you for being here. Uh, We'll see you again tomorrow. Absolutely. It should be like Cocaine Bear versus Cocaine Shark. Hey, Cocaine Shark's a thing now, too. I know. So it's going to happen. That, they will make that on Sci-Fi. You watch five years yeah, from now. Probably. That will do it for the show today. Again, we appreciate all those that tuned in and called in. For Brant Dontry and Tom Peavy, my name is Ryan LaVoy. Have a great Monday night. We'll talk to you again tomorrow.